Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before we get going today with our teaching uh, concerning the um, self-righteous spirit, you know, I know it's a really touchy subject for a lot of people. And I know that, you know, self-righteousness can be measured by, you know, other people's standards. But when we look at the fact that self-righteousness is really a thing that plays in self-deception when we recognize that there's so much concerning self-righteousness that it can really hold you back from a lot of the things of God. There's nothing like believing the whole time that you're in the truth and you just know that you're right. And there's so many other religions and things that come to mind and lifestyles that people have that would just make you think that, you know, I'm in the truth. But as we're going to see, you know, self-righteousness is self-deception and it's really harmful to a Christian as well as those who are unbelievers because you keep God from doing the things that he needs to do. So I want to go over two scriptures before we get into this study, but the first one I want to go over is Matthew 11. So let's turn to Matthew 11 and we'll start at verse 1. And it says, And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard uh, in the in the prison of uh, the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? So this was John's moment of doubt, you know, his whole time. He preached. He was the forerunner for Jesus to tell people about the coming of the Messiah. But now that he's in prison about to meet his end, he's beginning to wonder if he's got the right guy. So look at verse 4, and it says, Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and shew John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. So Jesus never tried to prove himself by his words only or his beliefs. Jesus demonstrated the power and the fact that he had come from God. His word he knew wouldn't have been enough, and this is why if you go to Second Corinthians chapter 4, I mean, well, t- chapter 2 and verse 4, Paul says that I came not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but with the demonstration of the Spirit and the power. So Jesus came to put the power on display. He came to prove the authenticity of him being sent from God by doing these miracles that no man can do. So look at verse 6. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me, So, I mean, just imagine you got people out there in the world that are preaching the gospel and 
you know, you got everybody out there preaching today, whether on YouTube or whatever their religions are, on the street corners and everything. But imagine someone seeing someone laying there dead or injured. And you have someone comes up in the name of Jesus and, you know, heals that dead man or commands that dead man to rise up before multitudes of people. And people see this, right away you're going to take notice. If you restore sight to the blind, if you teach wisdom that has never been heard before up until this time, just imagine the attention that you're going to draw. So there's going to be something separate about you from everyone else, which would make people question, hmm, you know, this had to come from God because there's no other way that a blind man can receive his sight outside of surgery or an outright miracle from God. All right, so verse 7, and it says, And as he departed, and as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John. He said, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft raiment or soft clothing are in king's houses. So the Lord is making it clear that John the Baptist was probably what you would have considered unorthodox. You know, uh, the Bible speaks of him having, you know, eating locusts and um, wild honey, surviving in the wilderness with, I mean, camel's fur and his loins girded up. So he was a man of the wilderness and no one would ever today with their materialistic natural minds expect Jesus Christ or someone to speak for Jesus looking like this. So Jesus is making it clear, okay, John came out there to speak, but what did you people think you were going to see that you wouldn't receive it? A weed, a reed shaking in the wind? Like a soft guy? Or, you know, a man clothed in soft raiment? What did you think you were going to see? I mean, did you think that the man of God would be soft and prissy and you know, emotional? Or did you think he was going to come like John the Baptist? So this is what Jesus is saying. So right away, it seems like he's, he's addressing a self-righteous spirit because instead of hearing the words of John, people probably looked at John's appearance and said to themselves, that can't be God. All right, so verse 9, and it says, But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So Jesus is... Uh, making it clear that John the Baptist was, you know, the greatest of his time because he came out just preaching Jesus. This was his ministry. So Jesus is saying that if someone were least in the kingdom, that came as a servant, that came lowly, humble, that this person would be greater than John, which proves that for to get into the kingdom of God, the way to go up in God's kingdom is to go down. So that sounds like a lot of humility. That doesn't sound proud, and it doesn't sound self-righteous. It sounds like someone who would come as a servant.
to help uplift others, which would be one of the two laws of Christ, which is to love thy neighbor as thyself. Okay, so verse 12, and it says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. So Jesus is also making it clear that there's not going to be an easy way into the kingdom of heaven, that you're going to have to fight your way in, that you're going to have to take it by force, that you're going to have to seek Jesus diligently day and night. So this is no time for self-righteousness. This sounds like cleaning off your shelf for spring training, uh, I mean, spring cleaning of the Holy Ghost. And then from there, you know, to be cleansed and be authentic in Jesus. Okay, you want to fight your way into the kingdom, not physically, but you want to go after God like no other. And this is how you get in. Salvation is for the desperate. Verse 14. And if ye will receive it, this is Elias, which was uh, for to come. He that have ears to hear, let him hear. So he said, if you will receive it. So right away, it just seems like these people did not want to hear what Jesus Christ was saying. So he's saying, okay, since you guys have rejected John, maybe you'll hear, you know, what I'm trying to tell you that John also fulfilled prophecy with his coming. Okay, so verse 16. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and ye have not lamented. So this sounds like a people that Jesus was addressing, and I can tell you firsthand, anyone who's a Christian out there preaching the truth, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're going to run into the same thing. Now let's look at verse 17 again. It says, And saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. So, in other words, John the Baptist was probably very serious because there's nothing like salvation or doing the will of God, you know? The Bible even speaks against jesting and foolish, you know, playing around and, you know, nonsense. Okay, so... John wasn't entertained. They said they've piped and he has not danced. So then you look at the next uh, further down and it says, we have mourned unto you and ye have not lamented. So they might have felt that Jesus wasn't serious enough or wasn't as consecrated in the uh, word as he should have been. Okay, and I'm going to prove this, that they didn't think that Jesus was righteous enough and they didn't think and they thought that John was too serious. So this sounds like a crowd that you just simply cannot please. And how I know this is, look at verse 18. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he hath a devil. So John might have been too serious, too stern, not religious, not like the religious people of the world, not like the self-righteous, but he came preaching the truth. So they said he's got a devil, and he wasn't drinking or eating. Okay, so John was out there fasting, preserving his body, you know, living a real sanctified life away from the world, and he's got a devil, they say. Look at 19. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. 
Okay, so now Jesus came to not be self-righteous. Jesus came to try and deliver the gospel. He tried to let people know, hey, you know, you're not too messed up. Your world is not too destroyed. I'm not looking down on you. I simply want to give you a chance to be raised up and experience uh, salvation and eternal life. So because Jesus did that, Jesus wasn't religious enough for them. So Jesus said, you know what? But wisdom is justified of her children, simply meaning you will know them by their fruits. Simply meaning, hey, if that's what you say it is, you know, then this shows how much wisdom you've got. If this is what you this is what you gather from what you've experienced or the truth that you have seen presented before you, then let wisdom be justified of her children. In other words, you'll know them by their fruits. See, the, the funny thing about wisdom and knowledge is this. Knowledge tells you what something is. Wisdom tells you how to deal with it. So knowledge, you can gain a lot of information, but see, a wise man walks the talk. Wisdom is the thing that helps you live life. It helps you get through life. Knowledge is just obtaining a bunch of information. So this is why he says wisdom is justified of their children, of her children. Verse 20, and he began to abrade the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. So you see, after all he preached, they wouldn't repent. So Jesus had to, you know, he abraded them. He went to correct them. He found fault in them and he gave them a good tongue lashing. Look at verse 21. Woe unto you, Chorazin. Woe unto thee. Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. So he's saying, if you would have gone to the heathen to show these gifts that Jesus presented, the miracles, the works of God and his wisdom, that, that these people of the Gentiles would have repented and come to Jesus. But you see the religious people, you know, you see the Pharisees, you see these individuals that already think that they have God and that there is no room to fill their vessel or to learn the truth. You see how these people are stiff necked, they're hard because they and themselves already think that they're righteous. And this is why the Holy Ghost, you know, moves himself away from people such as these. He will not set on a vessel that already claims to be full. Only one broken that needs Jesus Christ. All right, so verse 22. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Zion and Sidon at that day of judgment than for you. And thou Capernaum, uh, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which they have done, which which have done in thee, had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Now you know Sodom and Gomorrah was full of homosexuality. It was full of unrighteousness. You know, and both young and old were this way. A whole town taken over and just three people, three or four, well, really three, that, that made it out of a whole city. He's saying it would be more tolerable for Sodom 
than it would for this stiff-necked generation that has the chance to receive the Holy Ghost, not through their righteousness, but the righteousness of Jesus Christ grown in us, but they won't accept it. So therefore, now that the truth is on display, now that the Holy Ghost is available to all flesh who believe in Jesus Christ, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that these people won't receive it. So that makes them, you know, twice as condemned because now there is no excuse. Okay, so from here, I want to go to John 9, not John, sorry, Matthew 9. And I want to read this one other thing. We'll start at Matthew 9 and 9. And then from there, we'll go into prayer and get right into the lesson. So this is Matthew 9 and 9. And Jesus passed forth from thence. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. So Matthew, at the receipt of customs, is like a tax collector. Okay, he'd be like the guy who worked for the government or the Roman Empire. So right away, he would have been seen as a sinner, someone that Christians or those that were like Christ or the Israelites weren't supposed to be around. Okay? So Jesus told this guy to follow him, and he followed. Verse 10. And it came to pass as Jesus sat at me in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. I mean, what a beautiful sight that these people had no chance before. But Jesus humbling himself as a servant, coming before the sinners. So he'd be coming before all the people of the world. In today's standards, he would come before the prostitutes, come before the crackheads, come before those in false religions, going before those that might have you know, experienced real hard problems. They could have been murderers. They could have been rapists. They could have been robbers. These people are drunkards. These people are sitting before Jesus Christ and his disciples. Verse 11, And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master, why, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? So they don't right away don't get it, but this is a self-righteous crowd. Verse 12, But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. So we understand here, Jesus is saying that he came for the lost, he didn't come for the saved. This is another problem with the self-righteous religious people of the church. And when I speak of self-righteous people, I'm not just speaking of people in other religions. I'm speaking in these so-called Christian churches, these big mega churches where you got these pastors telling people a bunch of things and people really believing that they are holier than thou. Jesus said that he came for the sick, not for the well. So if you're well, if you're already filled, then there's no need for you to have Jesus Christ. But Jesus came for those that are lost. But everyone wants to preach to save folk. Everybody wants to debate the Bible back and forth with fellow believers. What about the 7.4 billion people out there who don't know the Lord? What about their salvation? But you see, Jesus was serious. This is who he came to. A self-righteous person will only go before people to prove himself that he is righteous instead of doing the righteous works of God. So we just got to watch ourselves. Verse 13, but go ye and learn what that meaneth. 
I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So these people, what Jesus is teaching these self-righteous people is grace as opposed to Moses' law. Now everyone knows that Moses' law was a complete system that was built on legalism. Okay? It was complete. It wasn't unrighteous, but it was built on truth that no man can live up to which is why it was a schoolmaster until the coming of Jesus Christ. Why? Because through grace, by faith in Jesus, that we are able to live up to the standards of the Lord by having Jesus Christ grown in us, not by our righteousness. Verse 14. Then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast off, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they fast. Okay, so Jesus is making it clear that while Jesus is with them, there's no need for fasting because he is their comforter. But when he leaves, they will have another comforter that will guide them into fasting. So when you're with that which is clean, when you're with he that is perfect, then there is no adjusting your body, but when he leaves, that they would have to eventually do it. So I just think that this is awesome, you know, concerning the Lord. Um, let's see. I believe I'm at um, verse 16, and it says, no man putteth a piece of new cloth unto an old garment. For that which is put in to fill it up taketh from the garment, and it rent is made worse. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they uh, put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. So Jesus is making clear that being a Christian is not a bunch of rules and regulations that you should follow, okay? I know we're going to go over more of this later, but the fact of the matter is it's more of being transformed and conformed to the Spirit of God that you may be able to obey Him because your nature has changed. You cannot be the old man of the old world and walk with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus, where He flows, your thoughts are concrete where Jesus can ebb and flow and adjust to situations like the Spirit wills, most people will be stuck to the letter of the law, like as in keeping the Sabbath or doing this or doing that. What if the Lord wanted you to preach on the Sabbath day, Sabbath keeper? Have you thought about that? Have you thought about the fact that you have to go where the Spirit listeth? Because that's what Jesus Christ said to do. So truly walking in the Spirit or becoming the new vessel means to be a person that knows that they're not righteous, void of Jesus, and seeking Him to be filled by Jesus Christ. I'm going to run over a quick list of uh, 12 things that usually accompany a self-righteous spirit. I'm also going to go over them later in case people didn't hear. But the first says, seeking to judge the motives of others. So that's one. This is two. Holding others to your own personal convictions in addition to the standard of the Bible. This is three. 
judging people before asking questions and getting the details. This is four, judging by appearance alone. This is five, looking for evidences of failure in others before looking for evidences of grace. This is six, a tendency towards being hypocritical and nitpicky. Seven, delight at finding fault in others. This is eight, disappointment when you don't find fault in others. <laughs> this is nine, when it comes to others making mountains out of molehills, exaggerating their issues. This is 10, sensitivity to the sins of others, but blindness to your own. This is uh, 11, a failure to receive correction with humility. And this is 12, a desire to expose the sin, but not help address it. Okay, so I am going to go over this list later for those who have not heard. But I think that now we can get into the lesson, but you guys have somewhat of, a, of an understanding of self-righteousness. All right, Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits, thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and transgressions and those things, Lord, that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time that I have with my brother and sisters in Christ, that you have kept us in good health, Lord, in perfect peace. I'm asking, Lord, that you would continue to do so, Lord, in these trying times, for things are beginning to ramp up, and the enemy and his forces are everywhere. Lord, I'm asking at this time, Lord, that you can place a special blessing upon this ministry. I'm asking, Lord, that there be no disparity, Lord, in spirit or in heart or in mind. For, Lord, we only have one that we should worship and one that we have to be like who is perfect, and that is Jesus Christ. For none of us are perfect, Lord, and we're just asking that you continue to help us to be like you more and more each day. Let not strife, Lord, or anything, Lord, come in the midst. For you have taught us, Lord, that we have to be full of your spiritual gifts, that we need to be full of your fruit, Lord, that we may do and show, Lord, uh, the growth in Jesus Christ, having you fully formed in us. Lord, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of doubt, fear, and unbelief, every spirit of strife, every spirit, Lord, of self-righteousness, every spirit of religion, every spirit that is anti-Christ, Lord, I'm asking that it be bound. I'm asking that it be cast down. And I'm asking, Lord, above all, that you make your abode in your people. I'm asking that you take us to and fro, Lord, as we go throughout the world. I'm asking that you put a boldness in our spirit that we may be able to discern and both preach your gospel, Lord. For we are the light and salt of the earth, and we're just asking for a strong presence of the Holy Ghost, Lord. We're asking that every day carrying your gospel, Lord, that we will be purged from our own sins, that we will be taken, Lord, to other places and shown different things as the veil begins to be pulled back. Lord, let us be accounted worthy to worship you. Let us be accounted worthy to pray before you. Take every ounce, Lord, of, of 
transgression, of iniquity, Lord, of things that are not right in us, that we may be truly born of the Spirit, being like you. Lord, I'm asking for everyone who couldn't make it tonight, Lord, that you bless them. I'm asking if there be any attacks upon them or their families, Lord. I'm asking that you just continue to protect them. I'm asking, Lord, over Sarah and her life, Lord, that you give her what is necessary. I'm asking for Christina and Carlin, Lord, that you give them the same. Lord, for Martin, Jake, James, Lord, so many out there that, are, that may be going through things. I'm asking that you place a special anointing, Lord, on your people, that we may walk, Lord, without fear. For perfect love is that which casteth out fear. And I'm asking in the name of Jesus that all these things be commanded by you, that we may glorify you. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true, and worthy of all praises. Do it, Lord, because we need you, because you can and because you will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so tonight's study is going to be called The Self-Righteous Spirit. Beware of the Self-Righteous Spirit. Um, this is actually one of the things that I had to watch it myself, and I'm still watching it very early, you know, especially in my walk when I first got saved, that, man, I was on this rage, this rampage where, man, when I learned the truth, everybody had to know it. You know, and I just went at everybody with the gospel. I didn't care what it was, who it was. I would buy the truth and sell it not. But as we said, when I listened to a lot of my um, the old videos and things that I did, I saw a lot of self-righteousness in me. Because one thing I would do was talk about everything that everybody should do in the room, everybody, but none of it was self-reflecting. None of it was on me. So I was just, no, this is what we need to do. And we got to we gotta fast and we got to pray and blah, blah, blah. But it was like, wait a minute, man. You know, don't you think you got to do something a little bit different? And, and that's one thing about David. When David was out there preaching, I mean, he was doing his Psalms. David always looked at himself as a sinner. No matter how much the Lord had delivered him, David saw himself as a sinner. You know who else was that way? Paul. Paul was the exact same way. It was like, man, I persecuted the church of God. Oh, wretched sinner that I am. Who can take away this from me? But it was almost recognizing, compared to Jesus Christ, that we're absolutely nothing. So we can't compare anyone to us. You know, we can't compare us to anyone else. Jesus Christ is the standard. And it's all about living up to him. And that's why, I don't know if you guys remember, like, maybe a couple of months back, we were talking about that being a Christian is not a bunch of rules to follow, but it's being born of the Spirit. Because sometimes the Spirit can tell you to do things that other people may see, and they'll say, no, that's, that, it says here that this is not what you're supposed to do. But you got to understand, if the Spirit, which is the rhema, not just the logos, is speaking to you, he may tell you to do something on the spot. Mm -hmm. That is what's most important, you know? And that's why seeking a relationship with Jesus is greater than just knowing the word. The, the two go together, no doubt. But what I'm saying is one is the letter and the other is the spirit. Now, the spirit will tell you, you know, be not drunk with wine or, you know, whatever. Don't do this. Don't do that. that that's what the letter will say. 
But there was a part, I can't remember where it is in Corinthians, but Paul says to not offend your neighbor, like if it's a glass mm -hmm. of wine, you know, go and have a drink with them to speak the truth. Now, Jesus did this exact same thing. We're going to get into that. We're not going to really, you know, but Jesus was accused of being so many different things and they never understood that he was trying to win them to the Lord. I'm not saying for anyone to go and drink, okay? I don't know what the Lord has pulled everyone from. The Lord may tell, you know, Carlin, you may be able to have a drink tonight to talk to that person. You may have a little bit of, you know, wine, just sit around and talk. Sarah, don't you touch a lick of it because you know where you came from and we're not going back there. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is what I'm saying where the Spirit will tell you. And that's why Paul says, I was all things to all men. Mm -hmm. We try and win them into the Spirit. Now, I'm not saying be a hypocrite. I'm not saying to sin. I'm not saying whether to have a glass of wine or not. Be led by the Spirit of God because that way you will know what to do on the spot, which will make you an effective soul winner. You know, and, and that's all we're talking about. But if you got um, self-righteousness, oh, Jesus Christ is a drunkard. Did you see what he did? He had some wine. This is what the king of glory was accused of. And he was not that way. You know, he didn't drink wine because he couldn't resist. At the end of his preaching, he liked to go and have a cold one. It had nothing to do with that. It was more about, hey, I'm no, well, he was better than them. But he, he lowered himself as a servant to win other people into the kingdom. Mm -hmm. You know, so let's get started. Um, I don't even know what psalm to use. I don't think we may have one tonight. But 15. You just name it? All right. Psalm 15. Let's see if there's something in there. Psalm 15. Because Jesus always, it's so funny that he never, the only people it seemed like, man, Jesus would rip into wasn't sinners. It was yeah. the religious people. Yep. Those are the ones, man, and he just like, I mean, he was just at it with them. Well, it seemed like everywhere he went, there they were hiding around some corner looking to try and yeah, get hang in out. <laughs> Exactly. All right, so we'll do Psalm 15. We'll start at verse 1. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. Now, that's pretty profound because, I mean, you know, they're just telling you here who's going and who's not. Mm -hmm. Verse 3, he that backbiteth not uh, with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. In whose eyes a vile person is con is condemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. All right, so so far the Lord is talking about. Well, David mentioned, but you know this is inspired by the Lord that you know there are certain people that will not get in. Now, right away we're learning. Well, we you know we've talked about before. Loving your Lord and loving your neighbor are the requirements of being in the kingdom of God. Verse 5, He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. Why? Because God will not put his hands on the unrighteous. 
He even said, "The Lord um, hears the hears the prayers of the righteous, mm -hmm. of the wicked. You got some work to do." Mm -hmm. So that's what Psalm uh, Sarah said to go with. You know, I guess it can kind of go with tonight. It's a really short psalm, but you know, he's making it clear that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. But what is worse than unrighteousness? Self-righteousness, because it can be deceiving. Self-righteousness can lead you the whole time into thinking, man, I'm telling the truth. I'm doing this. I'm showing people your ways, Lord, but you're doing it in the wrong spirit. You know, so therefore, the Lord can't work with you. But let's get started. Let's go to Matthew 6. Let's go to Matthew 6. People can feed you self-righteousness too, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's one of the that's a terrifying thing because you can start doing things in the Lord and there's nothing wrong with people amen and you and, and, and you know telling you about the Lord. But when people start telling you you are a man of God, I'll let God determine that. <laughs> I'm just gonna do his will. I'm not getting caught out there and all of that. So that's all I'm saying. Like you notice that none of them ever called themselves men of God? God called them men of God? God called Paul an apostle? God called Peter this? Nathan the prophet? God gave them their titles. It was not self-given. They were more concerned no. about making it into the kingdom of heaven and being as low as they possibly could. That's why you got people going around the print works, printing stuff out, and this and that, and I'll talk Apostle John. I mean, you know, see, if you got to title it, you can't be. Because no apostle or prophet wanted the job. They didn't want to do this. The Lord had to come and snatch them up. And, hey, you know, I need you. You're going to represent me. And those people go through And the Lord always tells them, oh, you're going to go through a lot, buddy. But be strong. And he'll just push them right out there. But, I mean, he's like feeding you to the lions. That is, that's what a real title of, you know, this stuff is. All right, Matthew 6 and 1. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men, but be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. So when you do charity work, man, you know, there's nothing wrong with encouraging people to do things. But um, nobody should know. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you raise the dead. I mean, it's one thing to say that, hey, the spirit, the gifts work. And this is another thing where I can talk about my self-righteousness because I remember when the Lord did do certain things, I'm not going to lie, I couldn't wait to come back and tell people about the experience. Why? Because in some ways it made me feel good and see, you know, the Lord, even though I was trying to tell people about what the Lord can do, but somehow I didn't say, you know, I've seen the dead raised or I've seen a person cured of this. I said, oh yeah, because the Lord, you know, he brought me in and, you know, I, you know, he had me lay hands on a person and he healed them. Well, why did you have to be a part of the equation anyway? Why couldn't I just say, well, you know, people were healed. I had seen it. I've had that experience. People don't need to go into detail, but this is a part of the self-righteousness that the Lord has to take out of us. Mm -hmm. It stinks in God's nostrils. All right, so verse 2. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So what we understand here is, if you notice, he says, don't sound the alarm like the hypocrites do. Now, I can understand why the Lord says this, because some people would say, well, I tell people about what the Lord, you know, does. 
And I'm not a hypocrite. I'm not doing things. But you see, he's also making a distinction here for anyone that's full of the Spirit. You're not here for accolades. You're not even here for you. Mm -hmm. You're here to do the will of God. You're not worshiping the gifts. You're not admiring any of that stuff. Man, you, you know, lay hands of the Lord as you might as, and you keep it moving. It's not even a thing of, oh, guess what? You know, because that's sounding the trumpet. So instead of people coming to Jesus, which some people may, you know, they'll say, all right, Lord, you know, but they may desire the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. They may say, Lord, give me the ability to lay hands on people and they get healed. And you're not supposed to worship the gifts. The gifts are from the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, temperance, meekness, faith, you know. I mean, these are the things that, that are supposed to be grown out of us that will make the gifts manifest. So Jesus is saying here, for anyone that's actually talking about, you know, um, well, show, telling you what they've done, hypocrite, man. Because if you really are built up in Christ, you don't care about praise. That's not even the purpose of why it was done. You can say praise the Lord for what he has done. But it's never a thing of, man, let me tell you what happened to me last week. There's nothing wrong with testimony, but the Lord knows the difference in the heart. You know, he knows the difference. You, he's the only one in this world that you can't pull one over. You can make it sound good and dress it up nice. And you can even have crocodile tears. Guess what? The Lord can look at your stony black heart and tell, you know what? You may as well be Lucifer because you jumped right in front of me trying to receive praise. All right. So anyone want to add anything they can? If not, we'll just continue. So it says, but when thou doest alms, alms, uh, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. Exactly. You know, the Lord will tell you, give up your rent money. You may actually do it. No one needs to know about that. Verse 4. That thy alms may be in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret himself, shall reward thee openly. So you understand that everything that is done is done in relationship between you and the Lord. You know, the Lord feels funny about you telling people because it's like, well, why are you telling them? If this was something that you and I went out to do, what's everybody else in this, in this for? So the Lord, this is, I'm not going to say he's jealous when it comes to this, but it's kind of a thing of, you know, come on, this is our time. I'm showing you. I didn't say to show the whole world. Now, may there be a time when you're, you know, the, the gifts may have to manifest before others. Absolutely. But let the spirit lead. Because you see, the devil told Jesus, command these stones that they be made bread. Now, how did the devil know that Jesus had the power to turn stones into bread? Mm -hmm. Because the devil himself has some power and he knew who Jesus was. So, Jesus didn't obey Satan. Jesus obeyed the Father. So, when someone says, oh, I never heard you speak in tongues. Speak in tongues for me. No. Okay? It's what the Spirit wills. Don't do what people tell you to do. They'll mess with your salvation because you're not going to be impressing the Lord. The Lord is going to say, hey, man, I didn't tell you to speak in tongues. I didn't tell you to lay hands. Do what the spirit tells you to do. So Jesus ignored him. You know, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm not proving a thing to you because I don't have to. But Jesus was full of the spirit. When you're full of the spirit, Jesus lost consciousness of self. He was giving praise to the Father. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing about every miracle that may be done in your life, every gift, every fruit that may manifest, that's between you and the Lord. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, I come not in my name. Well, he said, if I speak of myself, my honor is nothing. He said, the Father is who speaks of me. 
So if you're doing good work for the Lord, eventually they'll do just like Jesus, just like John the Baptist. Christina is a woman of God. You know, Sarah is a woman of God. Carlin is a man of God. People are seeing, what's that? I said, only the Lord can say that. <laughs> no, but right. But the Lord will also give you that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there are people always, they call John the Baptist, you know, whomever. This is a man of God. But they're seeing it through the evidence. But when you say, I'm a man of God, man, that's so cheesy. You know what I mean? It just takes away from everything that the Lord will do. Mm -hmm. You know? It feels so good when it's from the Lord and like the Spirit. Exactly. Because mm -hmm. when he's ready to lift you up, man, believe me, people are going to know mm -hmm. that you came from God. Mm -hmm. When the disciples went out and they preached, they, what did they say? They're Christians because they, they had assumed that they had been with Jesus. Because there's going to be something in you that's going to show the world he's like Christ. So it's good to have that, too. I'm not talking about a false representation, <laughs> but yeah, Christina caught me out there. That's cool. No, no, it's cool, it's cool. All right, so um, where am I in verse uh, 5? And he says, When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. And this is true. You find that everywhere. People out there busting out in tongues on the street, doing things, trying to show people. And this is not for show. But when ye pray, use not vain repetition as the heathens do. As the heathen do. Oh, we didn't do six. We didn't. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Oh, okay. Sorry. Don't miss that one. All right, Matthew six. I mean <laughs> Matthew six and six. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So prayer is a private thing. God's not doing it for accolades. He's doing it to do the will of God. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. You find a lot of this in places like, you know, Catholic churches and other places where, you know, they repeat the same thing. As if God is deaf. Like, he doesn't hear what you're saying. So you think by, Lord, I, I need you to do this for my mother. Lord, I need you to do this for my mother. Lord, I need you to do this for my mother. Like, in other words, that's just building power. Like, you can just see the praise going up. No. The Lord, you can speak to him just like anyone else. He's not deaf. Mm -hmm. So, but the heathen will do that because they think they'll be heard for their much speaking. There are people that will pray for 30 minutes. You know, like Gary Price says, he has me laughing. He said, man, people on the prayer line praying for 30 minutes after something. He's like, man, people are hanging up. Man, just pray a sincere prayer from your heart to the Lord. Some people want to pray all night and everybody done hung up on the line. You know, it's got to be, it's got to be real to us that we're actually talking to the Lord. Be not... Ahead, I've just had to catch myself sometimes like something I really care about that I'm praying for mm -hmm. not get too into how much detail I'm giving the Lord because the Lord already knows mm -hmm. all my like you know mm -hmm. he knows my heart right. so just being like okay he knows pray about it and then pray use that time <clears throat> to pray for someone else right you know no, for something totally. else no exactly I mean you know and that's the thing is like that's why see God is so genius the gift of speaking in tongues 
You don't know what's being said, but he knows what he's pulling out of your spirit. This is the type of prayer I need right now. I don't need you asking me for a car, talking about your rent, and all this other stuff. I know what you need. But right now, I need you to be an intercessor and pray for someone in Japan. Pray for someone in Alaska. You don't know where your prayers are going. But he is so genius to pull it out of your spirit. Like, okay, you are the vessel. And you know what? That's one of the few times where you recognize that you are a vessel. Because as you're praying from your spirit, you're just, you don't, like I said, it's not a thing of you, you turn it on. I mean, well, like you said, you can stop if you want, but he's taking what he needs. That's one thing. When the spirit is in you, you are just like a vessel. All right. Where am I? Verse uh, eight. Verse eight. Be not ye therefore like unto them. Uh, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Like Christina just said, verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye our father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now notice that the whole start of it was the father who art in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. This is all focused on the Lord. Give us this day our daily bread. So they're asking the Lord for what they need. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, recognizing that you have a debt to somebody. So, Lord, forgive us these debts as you forgive our debtors. So you're allowing the Lord to even take over this part of your life when you have no control. All right, verse 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So this is the will to seek after righteousness and his guidance. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. That is probably the most unselfish prayer, well, it's got to be, that you will ever hear. It's all to God. Everything to the Lord. Recognizing that you control nothing, He's God at all. Mm -hmm. All right, so it says, um, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. And this is why, you know, this is another thing the Lord, you know, had to work with me on. When you're fasting, no one should know. Mm -hmm. If someone asked about it, then you can admit it. If someone says, hey, have you been fasting? Yeah. How long? You know, honestly, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable with telling you that. That's really not important. I'm fasting. But, if, but you don't go out of your way to, oh, man, this is day 39. If I could just make it. You know, you got people like that. I mean, really, they just. And then you're like, hey, man, what's wrong with you on the job? Man, I just been. And fasting and praying with the Lord all night. See, now you're doing this. Now, we, we've gone days without food, okay, that we're not bent over, broken down. But you get a lot of people, oh, because they just want that praise. Wow, he fasted for three days. The Lord said, you know what? For that self-righteousness, you've got your reward. There's no need to ask me. Yeah. And there was actually times when I fasted at work, and it wasn't intentional, <clears throat> but I would tell somebody, that I was fasting, and in their carnal mind, they couldn't understand why I was fasting. Oh, so yeah. they would say stuff mm -hmm. like, "Man, are you sure? I mean, are you are you okay? Do you need?" To? And what what they would do when they would say that stuff is, even though I was fasting, it would like have an influence on me. 
because I shouldn't have told them in the first place that I was mm-hmm. fasting. It's it almost like you can feel it break. Yeah. Like something like that connection kind of like yeah wanes yeah. a little bit. So from that point forward, I would just take an empty lunch bag with me so nobody would ask. And like I said, you may, you know, one day led by the Spirit, mm-hmm. explain to someone, you know, you're fasting. You know, maybe. And they may ask why. And, you know, you explain. See, that's why the Lord looks at the heart. Mm-hmm. But, the, you know, the Lord says, you know, don't tell anybody or whatever. And I'm not disagreeing with that. But I'm just saying there may be some people that say, man, you know, the Lord really means that much to you. You know what? I'm thinking that I may want to follow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is it's got to be in the right spirit. That's all yeah, it is. Exactly. You know, because the Lord can tell if it was an accident or you were just wanting people to recognize that. Well, I, definitely got, I definitely got humbled with that experience mm-hmm. as far as like, because it was like the Holy Spirit just came on me like, what did you do? Why did you do that? You mm-hmm. opened the doorway to now interrupting your fast with the with the Lord mm-hmm. by doing that, by telling him. Because then in your mind after that, you have doubt now if you have violated what Jesus Christ just said. Yeah. But before that point, you were just riding easy with the Lord. So, you know, it's got to be in the right heart. But a self-righteous individual, which I was, and in some cases, the Lord is still taking stuff out of me. You know, it's going to be that way. What? I'll tell you guys, oh, uh, last week yeah. um, I was fasting and I was in line and I told Christina like um, <clears throat> this lady had came through my line you know and then I mm-hmm. just asked her about one of her products that she was getting mm-hmm. and then um, she's like uh, she's like I haven't tried it yet have you I was like no I haven't tried it you know mm-hmm. and then she's like she's like here I'm gonna open it up she's like and then she's like you try it I was like no 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 you know like I'm good I'm good (laughs) I was like I'm good I'm good and then she's like here here she hands it to me to open it and I refused to open it for her you know I just Mm -hmm. waited to see her do whatever she was doing and then I handed it back to her she didn't give up like her thing's still going she's like struggling with this thing Mm -hmm. finally gets it open and then she hands me a piece and then I'm like oh thank you thank you and I just kind of like hold it Mm -hmm. and I was gonna wait until like she left and you know just like discard it but she's like eat it she's like eat it in front of me you know Mm -hmm. she's like eat it so we could compare you know and I was just like oh my goodness and I just ate it you know (laughs) And then I was going to wait until she, like, walked off, and then I was going to spit it out, you know? And then she, like, starts talking to me about it, and I just swallow it. (laughs) See, I don't believe, and that could be the Lord also teaching us something, too, that you may be on the fast, but it was a a gesture or something nice. The Lord probably still regarded it as a fast. I'm not saying I'm thinking for the Lord, but he knows the intent behind your heart, you know? He was probably just trying to tell you, hey... You loved your neighbor. Mm-hmm. You know, you did that. You're all right with me. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of, but you could have been self-righteous. Mm-hmm. I told you, you know, I'm fasting. Yeah. What do you want? Yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. And see, the Lord would have been probably displeased with that because he could have said, man, eat the cookie. You know, yeah. you're not really offending or trying to hurt. So I think you and did the right it. thing. And then That's right. Because later that day, actually, lunch was provided for me. So mm-hmm. I was like. I don't know, it was like him just like easing me into it. And that was a revelation that I had in the moment. And then it's like, it's like unkind of me to turn down her kindness. And know? see, that's it. Exactly. And that's it. The Lord can actually, you know, tell you when a fast is over. Mm-hmm. I've had that happen. There's times I've wanted to go longer than he said to, mm-hmm. you know, and he's, he'll make it in such a way like you might be fasting, but it's almost like you're not really getting anything more for that moment. Has that ever happened to you guys oh, where you feel yeah. like, you know, it's like the spirit is starting, man, go get something to eat. You know, I, I we appreciate it, but yeah. go eat, you know. So 
it's all up to the Lord, but this is why we obey the Spirit. Because a lot of people have tried to do what Jesus did, fasting for 40 days, and people have died. Mm -hmm. Okay, just trying to do it. Now, I'm not saying they would go to hell for that. I mean, maybe, you know, the Lord understood what was there. But you got to be led by the Spirit in all affairs. Anytime you throw self out there, mm -hmm. I mean, the Lord can't stand it. All right, so Matthew seven, uh, 6 and 17, and it says, But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So we understand here that the Lord doesn't like us trying to gain any glory for self, you know, if all things are done, or anything done in this fashion, it's got to be done unto the Lord. You know, it's that simple. Mm -hmm. That's how serious the Lord takes it. So from here, let's go to uh, Mark 7. No, yeah, Mark 7. Mark 7. Right, Mark 7 and, and verse 1, and it says, are we going there? Almost. All right, then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of the disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, with unwashing hands, they found fault. So right away, you see what kind of people the Pharisees were. You know, they didn't wash their hands when they came in. You get around a lot of religious people, I'm telling you, this is how they're going to react. You know, take off your shoes at my door and this and that, you know, because you are on holy ground. You got people that will tell you this, you know, and then you go to eat. Use, uh, I believe that men of God use napkins. I'm not even kidding, man. There are people like this. And it's just like, man, if you knew what stench came out of your righteousness, man, you would really hate yourself if you really knew. But they think that this is godly by spotting out that his hands and their hands are dirty. Verse 3. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands off, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. So, you know, whoop-dee-doo for them. They do it. So, you know, everyone else should. Verse 4. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels, and of tables. So right away they're making a comparison how these guys wash their hands and, you know, they get all this stuff together. Well, you know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong being clean because our Lord is clean, but we got to recognize that God is not dealing with the outside of the body anymore or what the appearance of something is. He's working in the heart. <laughs> you know, so these guys are trying to appear righteous and holy when the Lord is like, if your heart's not clean, it doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. All right. Verse five. And then it says, then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? So they felt like they one up Jesus here. All right, you call yourself the Messiah, but you got a bunch of filthy men with you that don't even wash their heads. So they're always trying to one-up them. Verse 6, he answered and said unto them, Well, hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, 
This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines and commandments of men. So right away, you know, this is why the Bible also talks about in some ways the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. You can go to someone in divination. You can go to witches. I know witches that'll put a Bible right on the table before they go and try and read your palm. Now, I'm not saying that, no, we're supposed to stay away from that stuff. But what I'm saying is you have some that will put a Bible on the table, read certain scriptures, and I mean read them properly, and then go and grab your hands. Wrong spirit. So it doesn't matter about how much of this you know. You know, do you believe this? Is this word you? Because a lot of people love to one-up somebody, and that's why, you know, I had to apologize to Christina, but I, I don't, you don't want to go into strife. Oh, well, I got, oh, well, you got that? All right, well, look in Luke 3. You know, but this is, because it's strife, you know how offended the Holy Ghost is in that atmosphere? So it's like, man, you guys, man, break it up, break it up. I don't care who's right right now. Both of you stop it. You know, it's done. But that's how the Lord will bring order. But it's one of these things where people, we may know the scripture, but the Lord is looking for that vessel that holds the yeah. spirit. I think this is, too, the number one reason why a lot of people um, are turned away from the Lord, from being, from believing. Yes. We were talking to some people last night and um, who were from a hard situation that they were in, and that was their main thing that they were talking about. Like, they grew up, not, like, you know, given the faith, but they turned away from it because it was self-righteous, basically, mm -hmm. family and hypocritical. Mm -hmm. And... Um, like basically being broken, they were yeah. coming back. You know? Totally. You know, you got like these rules and regulations people love to throw in. Man, catch your fish before you clean them. Mm -hmm. Let, matter of fact, don't even clean them. Put the knife back. Let the Holy Ghost work on these individuals. Because mm -hmm. you may have someone come in, the girl may be dressed in short attire, you know, or whatever. She's coming first time. She doesn't know anything about this. Mm -hmm. She's coming, she's wearing what she has, but a self righteous crowd. Man, look at her skirt all the way up there like that. You know what kind of person she is. No, you know what? You don't even have to tell her how to dress. By her coming regularly, the Holy Ghost will automatically work on her to where she will begin to be what the Lord calls her to be. But in a self-righteous crowd, she'd be judged the whole time, and she would feel it that she'd never come back. So I understand what Christine is saying, because this is a lot to do with People and their doctrines and, you know, just believing that, I mean, if you go out to truly win souls, I mean, truly, you're going to hear people cursing. You can't be offended by that. This is what they know. Take the time to talk to them. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, check out what I'm trying to tell you right now. Not, oh, his mouth is so filthy. I can't be anywhere near him. Or while they're talking, you need to stop cursing too, by the way, because of, Look, if the Holy Ghost is governing you, this is what they know. We cannot be offended by that mm -hmm. because you're dealing with the heathen. The Bible is telling us this. So mm -hmm. you're going to have to work with that person. That person will see the fruit of the Spirit in you and automatically feel, you know what, I can trust them. And little by little, the reflection that is on you will rub off on them automatically. I know people that have said, you know, I, no, I don't even want to go there because now we're talking about this. <laughs> but I, I've heard people tell people <laughs> that because they didn't, they were around people that weren't cursing, they stopped cursing. Mm -hmm. You know, and they don't even know how it happened. But 
I think it's just something subconsciously that happens when you're of the spirit. But people want to, you know, ball and chain you the moment you walk into church. Yeah, you don't want to come back because you don't even know what these chains are for. Look, man, I just came out of the world. Even the Lord in his wisdom said, I won't take it all away from you in one time, lest the beast of the field multiply against you. So it's little by little he's sanctifying and cleaning us. But for man and his righteousness, I mean, go and get them shackles out of the closet. We're going to wrap you up. We're going to scrub you with Brillo, all right, until you're clean. But this is man's thing. No patience. You have got to get it right, and you've got to have it right now. We need to yield to the Lord. Self-righteousness is a dirty, nasty, filthy thing. Mm -hmm. Verse 8. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups, and many such like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whosoever curseth, uh, father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corban, that is to say a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. Okay, so if a person is, you know, wherever the heart is tilted, that person will be free. The law said, if you did dirt, or you disrespected your parents, man, the Lord was totally against that. Verse 12, and ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such like things ye do. So even when, you know, we got on the subject of Christmas and things, I want to be careful with that because I'm telling people the origins of these things. I'm not telling people that, you're this and that if you keep it. Now, I do believe that the Bible speaks against these traditions, and I'm going to stand for that. But what I'm saying is if someone wanted to go to a Christmas party, and they're a believer or whatever, that might be the time that that person might get saved. I'm only being realistic. I'm only saying as far as the Spirit is concerned. Now, someone may tell you, I've seen stuff like this happen. This is the point I want to make. Imagine that we're like a, a big Christian family. I mean, we're, we're tight in our faith and our beliefs. We're a real religious crowd, okay? And you got a son unsaved or daughter that comes to you and says, I'm going to a Christmas party tonight. And you tell them the Lord is against that, you know, that this is, you know, whatever. Now, I'm not saying you can't speak on it, but if you forbid them to go, how do you know there wasn't someone there full of the Spirit? that might have talked to your son that night there, and he may have found the Lord. Maybe the Christmas party is what would have drew him to coming that he might find the truth. I'm not saying go there and worship, okay, or, or relish in it. I'm saying that even a Christian shouldn't be withheld from coming to a Christmas party if it meant bringing forth truth. Because a self-righteous spirit will say, hey, you're a Christian, you know you shouldn't even be in there. Now, if you're, if you're worshiping it, hey, my, my feelings on it are still the same. I know the origins of it. I know who it represents. But if you go into a Christmas party full of sinners, the Lord may use you there to win souls. I mean, because really, we're not supposed to be celebrating in anything. Really, anything you do has got something to do with Jesus Christ. So it ain't even about Christmas. 
I mean, even if you get too high and mighty on your birthday party, that can be idolatry. People get mad at you. Oh, you notice it was my birthday. They didn't get me anything. Well, you name one time somebody's birthday was celebrated here in the Bible. So this is a man-made thing made up that, that we can't cling to. But I'm saying be of the spirit in all things you do. So I don't want to be concrete with people. Man, don't go to the Christmas party. You know what it represents. How do you know what the Lord told them to do there? But one thing I don't think the Lord would tell you to do is celebrate Christmas. Right. He may bring you into an atmosphere where you would have to do something. But I mean, where else are the sinners? They're going to be doing the heathen things of the world. But what does the church say? We want to stay clean. You come into me. I'm not going out there for you. No, you hit the streets, man, and bring those sheep in. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. Obeying the spirit of God. All right, and when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entereth into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile a man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And you know what? This is interesting, too, because this is why... Let's just say that the Lord has cleaned and sanctified you, and he tells you have a glass of wine with this person that, you know, I'm trying to win. To, I'm trying to win. Now, if the inside of you is clean, you can have a glass of wine because you're full of the Spirit. It's got nothing to do with you. But see, if you're somebody struggling with alcohol, you ain't been sanctified yet. So you see, what's in you is what makes what's out of you bad because your desire becomes, you know, lustful. I'm a drunk. You know, I'm going to go, oh, of course, I'll have fish dinner with you. Why? Because you want the wine. So this is the problem. It's like, it is what is in you reflects what's out of you. All right, let's move on. You guys are like, all right, all right, all right. Uh, let's go to uh, James 1. James chapter 1, we'll start at verse 1. I was once going to say that um, self-righteousness is worse than pride, but you know what? Pride is the root of self-righteousness. Pride sits at the helm of almost every single sin. Yeah. Because you first have to say you're big enough to do it, and you don't need God. That's where the pride kicks in, and everything else just branches out from there. Mm -hmm. All right, James 1 and 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ of the 12 tribes, which are scattered abroad greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So this is something we got to be careful with too, because we don't want to puff ourselves up. We can't put ourselves in the 12th grade if we're really in the second grade. Let the Lord work on us that when we are full, we will lack absolutely nothing. But you go out here like you, Elijah, or you got this and that going on, man. I'm telling you, you are going to meet a situation that is bigger than you. Henry Groove, I love to tell this story. You guys probably, I don't know if you ever heard of the serpent mound in, in, in Iowa, mm -hmm. but it's like this big mound that has a snake. It's huge, man. This thing is like, I don't know, a couple of hundred feet long. And it has an egg on the end of it. But it's a mound. It's covered with grass and everything. Henry Groover knew that that was a place that, you know, the Native Americans and others, 
would do witchcraft and sacrifice devils, you know, and things up there, you know, for devils. And he knew it was a big area, so he decided to go one day. He was on his way home. He stopped his car, got out. He said, you know what, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to work on this place. So he went out, you know, he was speaking in his tongue, praying against and prophesying. Something came and hit him in the gut, knocked him to the floor. He said he flew. And when it hit him in the gut, he was folded up like a ball. Like, imagine this. He's got both legs like this, and he's laid out on the floor. And he can't move. He's stunned, like paralyzed. And he was laying there, and, I mean, hours went by. And it was during the winter. He was out of it, and he said, I'm going to freeze to death. He said, they're going to find me frozen. And he was like, Lord, why is this happening to me or whatever? He was praying, and he stayed in that position for hours in the cold, almost frostbitten, before the Lord um, told him, Henry, I did not send you to this place. You have not fasted and prayed enough to take this area. Okay, because Henry was laying hands and doing work, so now he's on his way home. And see, one thing we got to understand is if we're not in fasting and prayer, your tank can start to run empty. You're not perfect to where the Spirit will just stay on you always. This is why you pray in tongues. This is why you, you get down in prayer, whether you got tongues or not. But this is to recharge your battery. So he laid there for a while, and the Lord said, I didn't tell you to come here. He said, hey, you know, obey me. Don't go ahead of me and try and do your own thing. So finally, I mean, he was out there maybe six hours. The Lord released him, and he said he had just enough strength to crawl back to his van. And he didn't drive right away. He sat in the back of it, thawing out. And he made it home just in time, I think, for Thanksgiving with his family. But this is, no one is beyond the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Okay, if the Spirit tells you not, if he didn't tell you to do it, don't do it. Because he ended up meeting whatever entity was there. Now, once he got fasted and prayed, Henry went right back there and took that area. Why? Because the Spirit was with him. Mm -hmm. So we can do nothing apart from the Spirit. Right. We can't mentally ascend. No matter who you are, you can be brought down. All right, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith on nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. So you're not grounded. Verse 7. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Usually self-righteous people are very double-minded because how can you allow yourself to give God the glory and you take a little bit of praise for yourself? No, you give it all to him, and he will lift you up in due time. But a lot of people do a lot of jumping back and forth. They'll put on a presentation and stick out their arms. and But the glory is the Lord's. Everybody, don't clap for me here. The glory is the Lord's. But you will enter self the whole time. But then you'll say with your mouth, oh, no, it was Jesus Christ. Yeah, okay. Verse 9. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. So you see, you humble and the Lord will raise. But the rich, but the rich in that he is made low, because as a flower of the grass he is uh, he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with the burning heat, 
but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of, the, of it perisheth, so also shall a rich man fade away in his ways. And this is why Jesus tells us we have to be connected to the vine. He said, aside from me, you can do nothing. Verse 12, blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So God is not going to just take your word on it. Okay, when you decide to say, you know, I endured temptation, Lord, where's my crown? He said, whoa, you need to be tried. And this is why persecution and these things will determine who's who. The people aren't going to be able to be self-righteous for long concerning the church. You watch, man. When they start kicking in doors and really telling what's going to happen to Christians, you're going to find out who's serious and who was just kidding the whole time. That self-righteous spirit is going to go out the door. But when you become tried, the Lord will give you a crown of life. So he determines when you've gone through what you need to, to get what you what he wants to give you. 13, let no man say that he is tempted. I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So when you stay connected to the vine, you've got no problems with the Lord. You start saying that God told you things that you didn't say. You start believing that the Lord told you to go somewhere. Look what happened to Henry Groover. He got hit, brought down, so the Lord had to bring him back up. The Lord had to let Henry know, even with all Henry did, we're not done yet. You know, you got to stay with me because the devil will take your head off. That's right. Verse 15. Uh, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. One of the most intoxicating feelings you can have is to have spiritual gifts work through you. It's intoxicating for this degree. I mean, of course, you love what the Lord is doing with you and working with you. But the other part is, you know, you start to feel like you're better than others. Mm -hmm. I have something that you don't. I have knowledge that you don't have. Therefore, that promotes me above everyone else. And what do people usually do? I've got to pray in tongues so that others may see that I'm different than they. And this is how we can be enticed and you can be in sin. Now, how do you expect someone with the gifts to be in sin? It's happened and it can happen. You're going to say something? I was going to say it's not um, about what you do, but who you're becoming with Christ. Amen. <laughs> becoming, you know, um, formed with Christ, that new man, then things come naturally. Exactly. Exactly. You learn to wait on him. Verse 16. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. Uh, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So the gifts come from God. Of his own will be, of his own will beget he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. That's something the Lord is working on me. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So, you know, when, when the Lord really does govern the spirit, he's saying to be swift to hear. So, you know, one thing you will find about people that are really, I mean, heavily in the spirit, they don't talk much. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's almost like, man, I don't know what it is, but they're just, okay. You know, and if you will, well, see, this is how I feel. First, they, whatever you want. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, hey, man, I know what I'm saying. Whatever you want to do, it's fine. And you, oh, so you don't believe me. What do you want? <laughs> it's, I'm not going to. It's like you don't have the energy to, to debate. It's just not in you. It's just, yeah, exactly. It's just like not if somebody there. wants to hear what you have to say, the Lord will make that provision necessary. Mm-hmm. But as far as like going back and forth with people and stuff, because, you know, that's happened to me and now, now it's just like when people start getting into that debating sense, I'm like, hey man, believe what you want to believe. I, I can't go there. You don't have the energy yeah. to. You can literally hear the Spirit tell you, man, move on. Yeah. Dust off your feet and go talk to someone else. All right, so it says, so you be slow to, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Because you want to take it, and a lot of the times this happens with people that are in the spirit because, uh, you know, you want to hear everything that's being said first, and then the, and you're waiting on the Lord to give you the answers, mm-hmm. and not just rely on your own wisdom. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity and naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So there are people that will hear that will never do, and they actually believe that they're on the same accord as someone that's out there doing the will of God. You know, this is telling you here, you can deceive yourself, 23. But if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. So it's kind of like he's pretty much talking about a hypocrite. He's saying that you can go in one way and come out another way. And you don't even remember. In here you can be Lord Jesus, Lord, Lord. Then you get out there in the corner, you know. I should, I should really go and see this guy for what he did to me. You already forgot. You don't even remember who you were because you're role-playing. You're not being what the Lord is calling you to be. Mm-hmm. Verse 25, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, so you see, the freedom in the spirit, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So you see, the Lord is out for doers. All right, yeah, I hear you talking, but that's all you've been doing. Get out there and do something. You know, for me, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, that man's religion is vain. But pure religion and undefiled before God of the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows of in the affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So what is the Lord interested in here? Loving the Lord and loving your neighbor. That's all he's concerned about in his will. But you got people, again, you know, they'll try and seem what they're not. And, I mean, that'll just get you in trouble. It's not the right thing before God. All right, let's let's just get going. Let's go to Matthew 21. Because if I'm going to have time for anything, we've got to make time for Jesus. Oh, yeah. Matthew 21, we'll start at verse 12. You ever notice that even though you have every work in here, everything said, inspired by the Holy Ghost, that when Jesus says something, 
You ever notice that even though it's all full of the Spirit, but when Jesus speaks, it's kind of like above, you know, like this is all the Bible, but man, the way that he would dress it would be perfect. Because there's things when you hear Paul because of his education, Paul was like, he's kind of hard to understand sometimes with the way he throws things out. And, and you know, Paul and James and the other guys, they were pretty basic, you know, like right to the point with God's wisdom. But Jesus has a way of elevating it completely, but still making it easy to understand. There's nothing confusing about Jesus' words. Exactly. Only God can do that. If I could keep my mouth shut, I'd be over there already. Excited. I know, right? You know what it is, man. You start talking about your God. What? All right, Matthew 21 and 12. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. Now, you got self-righteous people. They won't even believe this story. They'll say there's no way in the world that must be a misprint. The Jesus I know would never put, would never make a whip or turn over any tables. He's a God of love. What does the Bible tell you here? This was unrighteous. He addressed an unrighteous situation. And, you know, hey, he did what he had to do. This was righteous judgment. But if we're religious, you never believe this. Like, ain't no way in the world that Jesus would do something like that. Mm -hmm. Read your Bible. Verse 13. And said unto them, it is, it is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. Now this is self-righteousness as you know it. He threw out what wasn't necessary only to do the will of God. And these guys are displeased. I'll tell you, man. Verse, verse 16. And said unto him, Hearest thou what, uh, what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, uh, Thou hast perfected praise. So this was Jesus quoting, What was this, Psalm 8? Yeah. Jesus was quoting Psalm 8. Like to, I mean, in some ways you can see the Lord not trying to make friends with them, but saying, guys, you know, we can reason about this. All right, you're displeased. But didn't you hear in your law, you know, in, in, in what David said, out of the mouth of babes, you know, and sucklings, that this would be done. Like, in other words, so they could say, oh, yeah. So this is what's going Oh, all right. No, no, no problem. So he was always addressing them in the way that they may get it but not to a self-righteous person. I'm telling you, they will flip out. Verse 17, And he left them and went out in the city into Bethany, and he lodged there. Now in the morning, as he returned into the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only. And he said, Let no fruit grow on thee uh, henceforward uh, forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. Now, you know, this is clearly the Lord speaking of this fig tree representing at the end of the kingdom. For those who don't bear fruit, he already said what their end would be. If you're not gathering with Jesus, you're scattering. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith 
and ye doubt not. Ye shall not only do this, which is done up to the fig tree, but also if ye shall sing unto the mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and it shall be done. Now I believe what Jesus is talking about here, having faith, because a lot of people will tell you they have faith, but the Lord knows the amount of faith in every single one of us. And this is why eventually we get tested. How much do we believe him that he would take care of the natural and supernatural things in our lives? And how many of us are believing that we're doing this in our own strength? So the Lord pays attention to every single situation. What would you put down for me in faith? Who would you speak to for me in faith? You know, so this is what it's really all about. In all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. And when he was come into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him, and he was teaching and said, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? These are things that, you know, you're going to hear. I'm not even going to say anything other than that. You're going to hear a lot of stuff concerning this, because what people are going to say is, you need a seminary degree to talk about the word of God. If you don't have it, you don't qualify. So when you start coming and the Lord starts revealing things to you that you know, and people start to hear the truth, and these people have never heard it, the first thing they're going to ask you is, by what authority do, are you able to do this? You're not in the church, so they're still looking at the building. By what authority do you do this? You've only been saved six months. I've been saved 30 years. So this is the self-righteous attitude. They're coming to Jesus and asking him by what authority he does this. Verse 24, And Jesus answered and said unto them, I will, he said, I also will ask you one thing, which if ye, if ye tell me, I and likewise will tell you by what authority do I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, Why did ye not then believe him? But if we say, but if we shall say of men, we fear the people for all that hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, We cannot tell. And he said unto them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. Okay, so that cleared it up. If you can't be honest with yourself and answer this question, then I owe you no explanation. The only person that you need to represent you is Jesus Christ. John said this. That if when the Spirit teaches you, you have no need that another teaches you. Why? Because he's going to take you into all truth and righteousness like Jesus Christ said. I could be preaching things that may be in error. Look, I'm not asking you guys to believe everything I said. Search it out yourselves. I'm not the standard. All right? There are people, pastors that I've listened to that I've loved and appreciated. And I've heard them say things that didn't go along with Scripture. So I just took what I needed from there. Okay, thank you. You know, and that's the end of it. But it's the Holy Ghost that keeps you from being captivated in, in the wisdom of men. Because that's what happens. So this is why when you hear in Revelation uh, uh, 17, they were the kings of the earth were drunk with the wine of her fornication. They drank from that cup, from that iniquity. And there they were, mesmerized. Everybody obeying the beast. Everybody thinking Christmas is right in church. Everybody, you know... Paying a tithe as if their life depends on it. 
So you can drink of the wine of some fornication, you know, or something wrong spiritually and get touched. What keeps you from being touched? That helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, you got the faith. So you're covered in God's armor and the Holy Ghost is telling you, correct, correct, correct. Don't listen to that. That's wrong. And then many times I've had the spirit tell me, get up and get out of there. You know, I don't want you going back to this place because they're not representing me. So you always want to be led by the spirit. Anybody going to say anything? I heard a thought. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm losing it, right? All right. So verse 28. But what, uh, but what ye think? A certain man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Uh, whither of them twain uh, did the will of his father? So he's saying here, there may be some that will say, I won't go. And then you go. You know, you may tell the Lord no. But then, you know, you think better of it and you go and do it. Now, who's better? The one who appeared righteous and then when the Lord walked away, you went and did what you want? Or the one who was honest with the Lord and said, I won't, and then eventually went and did it? So the Lord is out for, you know, the truth. He's out for sincere people. He's out for people that are um, not self-righteous and those that are really, truly willing. Mm -hmm. That guy was honest with the Lord. No, I can't. But then he thought better of it. You know what? I'm just going to go. But the guy who says, oh, sure, Lord, I'll do it. Oh, I'll be there. Oh, you can bet your dollar. Oh, for you, Lord? Yeah. And when the time comes, where are you? Someplace else. All talk. Exactly. All talk. Talk is cheap. All right. So um, they said unto him, the first, Jesus saith unto them, verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Mm -hmm. So he was waiting for them to give an answer because he was pretty much saying, those people that are not saved right now, those are the people that are going to get saved. And that's why with the teaching last week, I mean, well, Sunday, I hope you guys get to listen to it when Martin puts it up, but it's called There's Blood on Your Hands. But if we knew how serious salvation was to preach the gospel to everybody that we come into contact with, you know, let's hope that because we thought that those people weren't good enough, that that person doesn't take your seat at the marriage supper. That's important, man, because we're looking at these people like, oh, man, he'll never get it. And then you go off. But the Lord, that person may get saved and he's going to now do what he needs to do. You were already told to do something and you refused. So who do you think he's going to switch? And that's why he says, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Because you're going to find many that were saved, received the Holy Ghost, and didn't know what it was for. They used it to marvel and relish in self. And the Lord said, okay, I'm going to use this guy over here, a renegade. Because when this guy gets saved, because this is his real big chance, he's not going to blow it. This guy was never shown love until the Spirit fell on him. Now... Man, he's going out there and he's going to do it. So we've got to be careful. 32. And John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. And ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterwards that ye might believe him. So you see, these guys took it personal. You had the publicans and harlots recognizing, you know what? 
I got some stuff in me that I need to be fixed. Mm -hmm. I'm going to John. John is speaking the truth. I'm going to get baptized and wait for this Messiah. Mm -hmm. But then you had the others. I've been in church all my life, brother. There's nothing you can tell me about Jesus. And you know, but the Bible says, you got the Holy Ghost when you got saved. There's no need to be baptized in the Spirit. See, all that stuff, man. The Lord is going to take those who want to go versus those who believe they're already there. No one has fully arrived until the Holy God, until we reach Jesus Christ. Exactly. All right. Uh, here, another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged in the wine press in it and built a tower and, and let it out up to husbandmen and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, uh, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent another, or he sent other servants uh, more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, but last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize of his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. When the Lord therefore to the wine to the to the vineyard, sorry, uh, cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? So clearly he's talking about those that are not of the spirit, those people that um, the self-righteous group. When God sent his people to go and minister, the self-righteous people didn't want it. They wanted the inheritance. They didn't want to deal with God. Mm -hmm. So they wanted all the benefits of being saved and having it all, but they didn't want to pay the price or going to those who really knew the truth. Mm -hmm. So how do you refuse to hear God or the people of God and you think that you're going to get in? There's no way. If God sent that individual with a task or something to do, then you need to obey what is truth. And that's why I believe what is in a person that is a believer, it may be even something they don't understand. Because why when the, when the gospel was preached to you, even if you didn't agree with some of it, what made you believe that part of it was true? Mm -hmm. What made you say, you know what? I don't know. I mean, I don't like what's being said right now, but man, something is telling me this is right. What makes you different from that individual that hears it, that you can preach your heart out to, and they'll say, I don't believe it. That's your opinion. So it's almost like, man, you know, there are some that will receive. I, I can't even explain it. You know why those people will get it and other people won't. And I'm not going to say, you know, that's because that's who the Lord wanted. No, then why did he even preach to those who didn't want it? But there's only a handful of people that will believe the truth and go after it. And what you'll find is you've been seeking the truth your whole life. You just didn't know it was Jesus. Yeah. Because how many times have you ever you, you ever had the knack as a child to just want to look stuff up and get the meaning? For whatever reason, you wanted to dig deeper. You may hear a story and, oh, let me see if I can get more information on that. That was something that the Lord had in you. That one day you may come to him. Because there are a lot of people who don't care about truth. You tell them, and they repeat it as if it's truth. No, don't, won't you want to research it? No, man, I'm good. I, no, I believe you. See, but there is something about those who really want the truth. Oh, man, let me research this and see what's there. 
And those are the people that the Lord wants. Why? Because salvation is for the desperate. It's not for the people that think they've already got it. If your jar is already full, how can the Lord fill you? Exactly. That's impossible. Let's go to Matthew 22. Well, we're already here. Oops. And I want to start Matthew 22. I just left it there. I know we ain't going to have time to do the whole thing. Uh, let's start at verse 15. Because Jesus said in verse 14, For many a call, few were chosen. He was talking about those who would receive the truth and those who won't. Verse 15, Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. If you guys want to know where self-righteous spirits are, this is it. There are times that people will hang around and wait for you to slip up and then tell you, oh, I got him. You know, you forgot something or you didn't do this and that. That is a self-righteous spirit because why? If you weren't, you'd be trying to hear what's going on. But, I mean, come on, haven't you guys yeah. dealt with people like that? Yeah. Ha ha, I got you. I've done that in my I own thoughts, especially when I first got saved. <laughs> we all, we all yeah. have been there and the Lord is still that taking that out of us, right? But you see, entanglement, there are some people that will come only to try and prove you wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm going to come and entangle you in your words. So these guys weren't interested in Jesus. They were already thinking ahead of time, you know, well, he knows too much. I'm going to trap him. So they thought. Mm -hmm. Verse 16, And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true, and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for, uh, for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. This, you know, now that we understand about self-righteousness, this makes me angry. Mm -hmm. Because you see how they tried to come to him? Master, we know that you are true, and you are a teacher. You know why they're buttering him up? Because they think he's a role about to be thrown into the, you know, we got him. So now we're going to try and puff him up, and now we're going to come in with everything we want. So they tried to side with Jesus, only to try and put a knife in his back. Mm -hmm. Verse 17. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness. See, the Spirit is always going to tell you what's what. Man, and you may see rude led by the Spirit, but oh no. If the Spirit tells you to say what Jesus here is saying, say it. Mm -hmm. All right? And he says, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Shew me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he said unto them, uh, Who is this image and superscription? And they said unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto him, unto them, Render unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. So right away he understood, hey, that which is flesh is flesh, that which is spirit is spirit. You're not trapping me in anything. You know, but these guys tried to put Jesus on a collision course with Caesar. This is what self-righteous people will do. They'll always look for a place to slip you up or make you slip up, 22. And when they heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. And the same day came to him the Sadducees, which say that there is no resurrection, and asked him, saying, Master, Moses said, If a man die having no children, 
his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were with us seven brethren in the first, and when he had married a wife, deceased, and having no issue, left his wife unto his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third unto the seventh. Now look at this ridiculous question, just to try and catch someone out there. See, when you find yourself entangled in mess like this, man, walk away, because they're not out for truth. They're out to try and mess with you. All right, so he says, verse 26, other uh, no, verse 27, the last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven? For they all had her. <clears throat> Look at Jesus, verse 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. By the touching the by as but as touching the resurrection of the dead, uh, have ye not read uh, that which is spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. So let's understand this. This is where the revelation and the letter come together in one in Jesus Christ. These guys, because they did not believe that he was the son of God, they believed that they were speaking to a man. They perceived that his knowledge couldn't be any more than theirs. So they came up with a ridiculous question to try and trap him. Jesus said, man, you not know the power of God. I do. I'm from there. I was there. I created all of this. Now, he didn't say that. But this is why it was so easy for him to say, man, they will be raised, you know, um, not in marriage, as the angels. Why? Jesus Christ is from heaven. That's his dwelling. But they thought they were dealing with a man with no heavenly knowledge. So you see how he did that? And then he, came, he went right back to the scriptures saying, he's not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. That was Old Testament. Now, if somebody told you that you would be of the resurrection, or you mentioned what Jesus said, this is the New Testament written. But see, there was no New Testament at the time Jesus was speaking. So that's why Jesus could go back to the old letter and still have the revelation and knowing what was what. Why? He's from heaven. So he had full knowledge of what this is. And don't think that the Lord couldn't do this to you. The Lord is going to have you answering questions that you have, one, never thought of. The Bible probably never said but God himself, because he is one with you, will give you the answers to speak at that time. Mm -hmm. But to the self-righteous people, only talk to me with the word of God. So they'll go and get into all of this, but they'll have no revelation of Jesus Christ whatsoever. God never talks to them. He doesn't even know them. Why? Because they have no relationship. All they got is a bunch of letters. They got a lot of head knowledge, but no spiritual intimacy with God. So you see, this is why when you're not self-righteous, you can accept your will for God, and God can give you what you need. Am I making sense, or am I? Okay. Verse 33, and when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. So you see the barrage that Jesus Christ is getting? He met the Herodians, dealt with them. You know, boom, knocked them out. Then came the Sadducees that don't even believe in the resurrection. Kind of like some Jehovah Witnesses. Okay, but he dealt with them. Boom. 
Now comes the Pharisees, so they're really laying it on thick. Verse 34. Excuse me. Uh, but when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the first, I mean, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, So, all right, you guys just fired what you had. Now I'm going to come back at you with something. All right, so the Pharisees were gathered together. Jesus said, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They said unto him, The son of David. So, mind you, Jesus just told them what was the, you know, they tried to bait him too. But now Jesus is saying, let's get down to the nitty gritty. All right, if I'm even going to deal with you, you need to answer this for me. Who do you think Jesus Christ is? Because you see, that's what matters in the end as far as salvation. Who do you say I am is what Jesus Christ is saying. Never mind all this other stuff about what you believe or what you don't. Who do you say Jesus Christ is so we can go from there? All right, so he said, of the son of David. And this is why when people tell you that Jesus is not God, listen to what Jesus is saying right here. Because everyone wants to acknowledge him as he was a good man. He was a good prophet. He came to the earth. He's the son of God. But what you're going to find in this statement is he's saying much more. Verse 43, he saith unto him, how does how then the David in spirit, so David is receiving revelation, call him Lord, saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then call him Lord, how is he his son? Now Jesus was referred to as the son of David because Jesus was of the lineage of David as far as being a Jew, through the bloodline of Mary, having no earthly father, Okay, but Jesus was a Jew, so he was known as the son of David. But he's saying, if you believe that the Messiah was just the son of David, you guys are going to find out much more than this. Then how can David said the Lord, God the Father, saith unto his Lord, Jesus Christ, that, you know, um, what is it, because I don't want to misquote it. Sit down on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. Jesus was letting them know in so many ways I am much more than that. I am God in the flesh. Now, he didn't say that, but he made them understand, I am not who you think I am. I didn't just come as an earthly Messiah. I came from the heavens. I and my father are one. Now, when Jesus said that he and his father were one, the self-righteous crowd said he calls himself God. Didn't they say that? They That's right. They wanted to stone him because he said that he was God. Verse 46, And no man was able to answer him a word, neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. So Jesus had to straighten their butts out so that way they would understand that he was the Messiah. Now, self-righteous people, you would think that this would be it. Now, they don't fire with their ammo in Matthew 21 and Matthew 22. Look at Matthew 23. Oh, Lord, the whole thing is red. So now he's going to fire back on them with full ammo. So this is where we're going. 
Matthew 23 and verse 1. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. So he's saying, okay, they are correct with some things concerning the letter. There's nothing wrong with that. Get all you, you know, if they're saying that this is right, okay, this is correct. Jesus Christ had not yet died, okay, so the law was not yet fulfilled, that, you know, the spirit would be given to man. So he's saying what they're saying, observe and do, but do not do after their works, for they say and do not, just like hypocrites, just like self-righteous people. So you may even know a pastor out there that's doing dirt or whatever, but the point is, if he's preaching the word, get the word. You know, but the fact of the matter is, don't do after him. In other words, okay, we can agree on one thing concerning the scripture, but don't think we're going to be hanging out, because I know what your works are. I'm not going to partake in your sin or do of your ways. But okay, if you want to get into the word, cool. You know, we can agree here. So this is what he's saying. Verse 4, For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born, and lay on, and lay on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. And this is another typical thing. And this is why I say we catch fish. If the Lord makes us fishers of men, don't throw heavy burdens on them. Introduce them to who freed you. The Holy Ghost will take care of everything else. But a lot of the times, oh, you curse and oh, you do this. Oh, you need to stop doing that. You need to do that. You need to do this. You need to do that. You're not helping that person. That person is full of sin. What you're trying to do is strip everything out of them and then expect the Holy Ghost to just jump into them. It didn't occur that way for us. Okay, so this is the works of men to lay heavy burdens on you. You can't do this. You can't do that. That's legalism. The Lord works with the heart. Not only can I not do it, I don't want to do it because my mind is like Christ. So this is where the self-righteous individual gets moved off the scene and they really do believe in true righteousness, which the Lord works in your heart. Verse uh, 5, but all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. So you find this a lot like in a lot of Southern Baptist preachers in other areas. They'll walk around with the Bible in their hand. Phylacteries are like the things that you hold your notes in, like your information. If you had one, depending on the size of it, as a Pharisee, that meant, man, he memorized and knows a lot of scripture. So if you got a real broad one and you got a long garment, oh, you got to be a man of God, right? So this is what he's saying. You guys make broad your phylacteries. Jesus walked around with no doctrine in his hand because he was the living word. You want the word to live in you, not show everybody. Yeah, man, I got three Bibles, one in my backpack, one in my hand, you know, and the other, you know, is a little small one in case any. Man, you're not impressing anybody. Exactly. <laughs> then you tell them, quote some scripture from it. Uh, well, uh, I'll get back to you. <laughs> and what do they do? Call the pastor. Pastor, you know how to answer this question? Well, you know what a Bible if you don't even read it. So this is what he's saying. So these guys got big works riding around with their phylacteries. Verse 6. And love the uppermost rooms at feast and the chief seats in the synagogues 
and greetings in the market and to be called the man of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. You know what I want to be called one day by the Lord as a man of God. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be pastor this. I don't want to be Apostle James. I don't want to be any of those things. I just want to be a man of God. That's it. Men and women of God, there is no greater honor. That means you are just like your father and you're his son or daughter. Verse 8, but be ye not, but be ye called rabbi, but be ye not called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is, which is in heaven. So do you notice that Jesus is setting the people free? Don't call any man your rabbi like they used to do in Moses' time. When Moses spoke, everybody had to yield and Moses was the only one that spoke to the Lord and everyone else had to listen. The Lord was setting them free. Man, don't call anybody your master but your father in heaven and Jesus Christ, your Lord. He was saying, man, you got a direct pipeline. That doesn't mean church order. I'm just saying like that people will still, you know, look to the pastor. Now, that, that's wrong because the pastor will actually take the call. If you say, well, pastor, you know, can you talk to the Lord for me? Oh, sure. The, he won't tell them, you know what, we need to lay hands on you tonight. and You need to, you know, I'm going to pray that you get the spirit that you can speak to the Lord. So these guys love the uppermost rooms where the, um, where the mo you know, where Moses' seat was. And they just love to be worshipped. Man, it's all about me. Everybody comes to me. Man, that's, that's how you make a person twofold a child of hell. Mm -hmm. So he said, call no man your father. That speaks to the Roman Catholics. Father this and father that. Rabbis in Judaism. Rabbi this and rabbi that. You only got one master and you only got one father. Period. Verse, um, and now he said, honor your father and your mother. He's talking about like in terms of, well, you were born from him. So he is your father, but he's saying, call no man spiritually your, your spiritual father. You only got one. Verse 10, neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. You get a lot of this too in martial arts and stuff like that. People calling it master this and sensei that. Freemasonry, they love to be called grandmasters and this and that. Man, that's all demonic. It's all about Christ. Verse 11. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. So get rid of you. Get more into Jesus Christ. Your mission is over. Verse 13. But see, now he just gave these people words of encouragement. He set them free. Look at verse 13, the verse of rebellion. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. So this is just what we were talking about. That they make people for themselves, but they refuse to tell people about the Holy Ghost. How to be born in the Spirit. You come here, you worship here. This is where it is. This is where it goes. And that's it. No, you direct people to Jesus Christ. These people won't even allow you to go in, nor will they allow you to know Christ. They want to keep you within them. You all right, Sarah? Mm -hmm. All right. Thought you were falling asleep over there. Verse 14. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. 
Therefore, ye shall receive the greater damnation. So, you know, Pharisees are hypocrites. They love to go, take from the widows, get all they can from them. But then you're going to sit there and pray, Lord, you know, show us more love. When you're not even giving love. And that's why I love the way the King James um, talks about agape. It is charity. It is quoted as charity. Why? Because true love is giving. True love is having flow out of you, selflessness. It's not gaining. So these guys will rob people blind, these Pharisees. But then they want to come and, you know, make lengthy prayer as if they're righteous. What about that man or woman you just took from that can't pay their rent? That's what he's concerned with. So they'll receive greater damnation for pretending to be heads over God's inheritance. 15. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye can pass sea and land and make one proselyte. And when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourself. Again, they'll go anywhere after a proselyte, which is like someone that is not of the culture to, to bring them in. You'll go far to go and get them. But when you do, there's no relationship with Jesus that you introduce them to. So you teach them your tradition. They stay in your tradition. They become religious, making them twofold the child of hell, never having Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Verse 16. Woe unto you, ye blind gods, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whether ye great for uh, whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. So he's trying to teach them about being idolaters. Because you got people that love to be in the church. There are people that idolize their churches. Man, this is where it's at. Don't you see the golden chandeliers? Don't you see all this stuff, man? We got all these people and everything. We got a great choir. He said, Man, is it this or is it what is sanctifying this building? Not the building itself. Self-righteousness, 18. And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing but whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. So in other words, you know, it's like worshiping the gifts. You, this can even be said of a Christian. You worship speaking in tongues. You worship laying hands on the sick. But you're not worshiping who gave you the gift. That's why he says in, in, in Psalm 51, a broken and contrite heart, God will not despise. Those are the only sacrifices that he's interested in is a broken vessel laying down to be full of the spirit of Jesus Christ. 19. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift. So you see, verse 20. Whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it, and by all things thereon. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it, and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, swear by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth thereon. Woe, so in other words, you're either representing the Lord, or you're representing self, or the temple, or the gold that makes the temple. You want to represent the Lord. That's who you want to fellowship with. Not the gold. Verse 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of men, and a nice and coming. So these are like um, mints, like uh, what do you call it? Like a um, oh man, I'm trying to get my thought together. But mint is like a um, like a what's the word I'm looking for? You know when people use um, spice. 
spice. It's like a type of spice, but there's another <laughs> word for it. And then there's like anise, that's like a plant, and cumin is a type of plant. And I uh, have omitted the weightier matters of the Lord, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. So he's teaching them how to have grace. Because these guys love to try and pay tithes and do all this, weightier matters. Yeah, this guy did this, stone him. So they're all about majoring and stuff like this. What about grace? What about faith? What about the things that are necessary for truly following God? Okay? And judging righteously. That's why he has judgment and mercy. There's no way that you can judge a situation righteously in God's eyes without grace, without mercy, and without faith. Because the law was legal. You messed up. You knew what happened. In God's eyes, we're going to find out why this is true. Hold where you are. We're going to John 8. Real quick. John chapter 8. This is kind of like what Jesus was trying to explain. All right. You all right? All right. John 8 and verse 1. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives in early morning. He came again into the temple. And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And here they come. The scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, uh, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. So they caught her red-handed. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? So right away, you know that this has nothing to do with the woman. This has got nothing to do with adultery. This is all to do with trying to entangle Jesus Christ. If you're a scribe and a Pharisee and you know what the law says, why are you asking me? Why are you going to Jesus? All right, you said what the law was, go and do it. But see, they understood Jesus giving grace and mercy. So they figured, okay, now we already know what the law is concerning adultery. And since we're still under the law, let's bring this in and see what he does. So this was their attempt to try and stone Jesus. All right, verse 6. Uh, this they said, tempting him, that they might uh, have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So you see how hearing something unlawful, there was no panic in Jesus? There was no, oh, what? She did what? Don't she know what I stand for? Man, take her out back and do what you need to do. There was no panic. He heard what the situation was, but he's just writing as if he didn't hear them. Verse 7. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up, up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone uh, at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. So you see, his wisdom. I believe he wrote the Ten Commandments. I can't prove this, but there are only two things written by the finger of God. One was the Ten Commandments, and you know, this is Jesus Christ writing. Because if he's talking about love your neighbor and yourself, but I can't say that's what this is. But whatever it was, these guys knew what it was, and they were convicted by their conscience. So I believe he was right. Okay, 
No adultery, no this, no that, no this. Now, can any of you say that you're not on this list? Then, oh, but please, proceed, proceed. But see, because they knew in their own conscience, man, I committed adultery the other night, but I ain't been caught. So therefore, I think I'm going to ease out of this situation. So you see how righteous judgment Jesus used there through faith, proper judgment, and mercy. He showed this woman. Mm -hmm. This is what God would do. And again, uh, he's, okay, they were pricked in their hearts, and the woman and Jesus were alone. Verse 10. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where art those thou of thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. So this is the Lord showing, building her up. You're not the only sinner in town. These are a bunch of self-righteous hypocrites that came to get her. So where was their friend that was involved in this? They brought the woman. So I believe this woman was set up. Mm -hmm. I mean, where was the man that was with her? Shouldn't they have both been brought there? You caught her in the very act. So you caught her doing this with someone else. Where is he? So if they were truly righteous, they would have brought them both out there and said, Lord, this is what we saw. Then they would have learned how Jesus handled it and then stopped. So he's letting them know he's working with the heart. He's not working with the outside appearance of that which you think is right. So we can go back to Matthew 23. But see, this is something the Pharisees didn't understand. But boy, were they glad for mercy when, that, when their conscience was pricked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's get out of here. <laughs> Verse 24. Ye blind guides, which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. So what is he telling them? You guys are majoring in minors. And that's not what a Christian should do. We don't major in minors. We major in meaningful things as the Spirit wills. Not trying to, you know... Well, oh, all right. Well, what about this? What about that? What about this? Man, forget that. Also, yeah. I'm add real quick is in when we're encountering a situation, looking at ourselves first in a, I would say, self-reflective way. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Making sure that we're not committing the same acts as that person is before we talk to them. That's right. And that's why Matthew 7 says, you know, about hypocritical judgment. Mm -hmm. You want, A real Christian is broken over his sin. I don't know if a Christian ever truly gets over that. Yeah. Paul and David were still, oh Lord, why do I have to be in this wretched body? Why do I have to do this and that? Why? Because you're actually, the closer you get to God, the more you can see, I need help. Mm -hmm. Paul even said, and, um, and, uh, what was it? Uh, Philippians 3. He said, although I had not reached that perfection yet. So Paul's out there full of the Spirit. You know what perfect is? On the last trump, when Jesus raises them up and they're in the glorified bodies like Jesus was. As long as we're in this flesh, we may be perfect by the Spirit to a degree, like lacking nothing. And that's why there's different words for perfect. One level of perfection is complete in Christ. Mm -hmm. The other level of perfection is, man, even your flesh is not going to wear away. You won't even have to fight thoughts of sin anymore. That's going to be done away. You will be like Christ. So this is what he's saying to them. So these guys, man, they'll strain at the eye of a needle. They're sitting here talking all this stuff, and Jesus is looking at them. Yeah, all right, you, all right, you said something about the law and this and that. 
What about your sin? And that's why we can, well, Lord, this person did this. What about your sin? Because this is what we need to get straight first. When you have been perfected in Christ, then you can go out telling everybody everything. When our calling and our election is made sure. Exactly. And that's why the safe side is preach Jesus Christ. Let him work on you. Let him complete you. Mm -hmm. He is the standard, not you or I. Mm -hmm. Verse 25. And you know, that was something I also have to repent of too right now. He just brought to remembrance uh, for me. But I remember when we first got started in this thing, you know, I was encouraging people to be, you know, doers and, you know, try and, how can I put it? You want to be active. You want to be equipped. You want to be ready. There's nothing wrong with that, but... Being ready doesn't necessarily entail getting up here and speaking. Mm -hmm. That's not for my enjoyment. It's what the Lord calls for an individual to do. So you see, that was a part of, I can say to some degree, self-righteousness. Now, there were benefits, of course, that everybody got from, you know, getting in the Word every week, speaking. It builds confidence in things, but it can also be seen in some ways as self-righteousness because, you know, I believe some people have felt, I got to live up to this. And see, that was not my call. And that wasn't even my purpose, to be honest with you. But because I was so, you know, come on, guys, you want to get ready. I'm not considering maybe the work the Lord is doing in that person. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I want to repent of, too, because it's kind of like maybe that person felt pushed. Maybe they felt like, man, if I don't do this, then I can't measure up. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I wasn't trying to do that. Jesus is the standard. But we don't know how much time we got. But that, again, is left up to the Lord. Mm -hmm. But I just felt like I know what helped me being up here. There were a lot of things that I didn't know. But, I mean, as the Lord continued to work with me in this, man, you start to memorize Scripture and want to get deep into His Word. So that was the purpose. But... Still in all, what I did could have been seen as self-righteousness mm -hmm. because people felt like we were the standard and not Jesus Christ. Right. So that's all, you know, hey, I'm, I got no problem with this. I'm, I'm seeing it as we go. Mm -hmm. Things that have to be done. Verse 26, thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that, that the outside of them... Uh, may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but within, full of dead men's bones, and, and with all uncleanness. You know, I might try and minister where I am, but there's also a part of conviction that can come over you too, because we can tell people we need to get out there and do it, but Am I doing it to my full potential? That's another thing. You know, because if you if you give only when you've given your all, can you tell someone else to give their all? Now, if someone wants to know, well, how do I build my confidence? One, accept Jesus Christ. But two, you know, you don't have to do a sermon on the mound. Try and minister to who you see, you know, every day. Just start with one person, whether rejected or accepted. Now, that's not me trying to tell people what to do, but... It's a start in trying to say, hey, man, don't go crazy. Just try and get built up more and more with Jesus. But we can't tell people, man, get out there. You need to do this. And the Lord is like, okay, you've spoken to one person a day, but I called you to speak to seven. Where were you when I made that call? 
So these are things that, you know, the Lord wants us to work too because outside we can seem like we're ministering. Inside, your bones are dead. You ain't made a move. You ain't done what I told you to do yet. You might be doing some things, but you're sitting here acting like you, Paul, man. No. Get out there and get built up to that, and then you can decide to tell people, man, y'all all need to do this and that, because you're giving, and, and even then, you've got to be led by the Spirit mm -hmm. to do it. So, I don't know how many strikes against me that is so far, but hey, that's the way it goes. Verse 28, even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. I'm telling you, and we can miss this by a hundred miles. We can argue somebody's sin. And you know what? When you know that the Lord is showing sin in you, you will be self-reflective. Mm -hmm. You'll even question if you're even doing it before you even speak to that person. Mm -hmm. Verse 29. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous. So you're building up all this fancy stuff for the prophets honoring them, but you will dig and garnish the supplicants of the righteous. Verse 30, and say, if we had been in those in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killeth the prophets. And this is true because a lot of people can say what they would do and, you know, these are the self-proclaimed Christians. But if you can't even stand to hear someone minister to you the word of God now, what makes you think that you're on the side of Jesus when he came that you would have heard him? If you won't even hear the prophets or people telling you what is wrong, then what makes you think, oh, oh, Jesus is here, so now I'm ready to listen. You will be offended because all they will be preaching is that which he would preach. So we've got to be realistic and not self-righteous that Jesus would offend you if you had not given all over to him. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about. Let's move on because we we're running out of time. I don't know what time it is now. Let's go to Mark 10 and 13. said it but some, it'll go and then somehow I don't know if I bang it or my wrist pushes up against the thing and it stops but I'm always like setting it over. I got a big nasty scar from that. It's crazy. Mine was starting to do that too. Yeah. Actually. It's like we rub up, up against it more than usual. Alright so Mark 10 and 13 and it says and they brought young children to him which is Jesus that he should touch them and the disciples rebuked those that brought them but when Jesus saw it, he was, uh, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is, a, is the kingdom of God. So you see, the, the, even his own disciples were self-righteous here. Get that little kid away from Jesus. He's busy. He's talking now. 
You know, this is the Lord talking now. Get the kids out of here. So you see, they even needed some transformation in believing that they were holier than them. Mm -hmm. So he said, don't do that. I'm going to use them as an example that this is how the kingdom of God is. 15. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, uh, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put uh, put his hands upon them and blessed them. And when he was going forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So you see, this is funny how you got a young man coming over. And I'm, I, what I'm finding is this guy was a lot younger than we thought. You see how that was, though? Because this is I think this is the same story in Matthew 19. But one of them ran unto him and kneeled down, said, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Well callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness like lie, do not defraud, or, or defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. So you see, self-righteous. Okay, because he looked at the commandments and said, I'm keeping all of these. But he didn't understand the principle behind these commandments. Verse 10, I mean 20, oops. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these uh, have I observed uh, from my youth. And Jesus beholding uh, him loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up your cross, and follow me. And he was sad at the saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Self-righteous. He looked at the rules and said, I've kept these, so therefore I'm a righteous man. So the Lord said, okay, you're keeping the law, but is your heart after me? And that's why we got to ask ourselves so we don't become self-righteous. Are you out for Jesus? Is he the reason why you do what you do? Or is this so you can receive validation of men? Because Jesus knew where he was lacking. So man, just sell your stuff so we can hang out for good. All right, because you stopped doing stuff. So let's just hang out together. God walked away. Why? He had to leave something. Verse 23, And Jesus looked round about, and saith unto the, his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men this is impossible, but with God, um, for, but with God, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. So he was taking them away from their possessions, their own righteousness, and putting the emphasis back on God. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all, and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, 
There is no man that hath left house, nor brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake, and the gospels. But he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time, houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands with persecutions in the world to come eternal life. So Jesus is telling you, he's making a trade-off. Okay, for those people that never left all this stuff behind to follow him, he's saying, man, you give that up. I'm going to give you real brethren. I'm going to give you real sisters. I'm going to give you a real mother and father. Because, see, people, I hate to keep going there. Self-righteous people believe, because I said we're brethren. We're all brethren. The Lord is saying this isn't so, because when this thing tips off, we're going to find out it is spirit-to-spirit -spirit connection. You think your brother is your brother. You think your mother is your mother. Wait till it hits the fan. You're either going to side with Jesus or you're going to side with the devil. And then you're going to find out who's who. But those that are linked in spirit, there are people that are going to save your life that your own family members are going to try and take from you. This is a spiritual connection. This has got nothing to do with the flesh. But to a self-righteous person... We all love each other and say amen, so we all, you know, take communion together, so this is my brother. Wait and see, but many that are first shall be last in the last first. And they were in the way going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus went before them, and they were amazed, and they followed him, and they followed. They were afraid, and he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things uh, should happen unto him, saying... Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. And they shall mock him, and they shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him, and on the third day shall rise again. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we would not, I mean, we would that thou um, shouldest do for us, shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? They said unto him, Grant us that we may sit one on thy right hand and one on, and the other on thy left in thy glory. And Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized in the, in the baptism that I am baptized with? So we all know this is no secret to any of us. In order to be baptized in the Spirit, you know you've got to forsake sin. Mm -hmm. You know you've got to confess sin. You know you've got to walk away from sin in order for the Spirit to fall upon us. But he said, man, can you drink of the cup that I drank? So this is what the self-righteous people will never realize is that, wait a minute, you got to carry a cross to walk with Jesus. This isn't about mental ascension. Can you walk the talk? That's pretty much what Jesus is saying. Verse 39, And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized withal shall ye be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them 
for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be displeased with James and John. Uh, but Jesus called them uh, to him and said unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. Okay, so Jesus is making clear these two disciples wanted to go as far in the Lord as they could. Not only did they want to follow Jesus, these two wanted to be like Jesus. Jesus didn't have a problem with that, but he said, don't ask to sit next to me because it's not mine to give. The Father will determine who sits where. But these guys were, you know, the disciples of, oh, so now you think you're better than the rest of us. You want to sit up with Jesus and act like you did. So they moved because these two want to get closer to Jesus. And you're going to find this with hypocritical, self-righteous people. You want to get closer to the Lord, they'll call you a goody two-shoes. Who were you now to lay hands on the sick? Who were you now to speak in tongues? Oh, you're only doing it so you can get other people's attention. This is how people will react. Why? Because they have not become one in the spirit with Jesus. Anybody that's in the spirit that sees the gifts manifest, the first thing you will do is praise the Lord. Amen. You know, this was done. Oh, man, we give glory to the Lord that this was done. Now, why did the gifts have to work through them and not me? Self-righteousness. Because if you're of the spirit, that's not the way you're going to think. All right, so... um. Yeah, he said they won't be lordship over whatever. So, in other words, there's no ranking system. Who are you to demand that you get to sit with Jesus past me? And, of course, there is a there is a, a structure, but he's talking about that, no, you're all going to get to have a part of the kingdom. It's not going to be where, oh, well, you need to go through this. Or you can only go but so far. No, eventually, you guys are going to be able to be baptized and, you know, walk as I walk. Not having men rule over you and be your head. Verse 40, uh, 44, I think. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Okay, so the people that you want to minister or to teach are those who have to sacrifice. You got to see sacrifice in a person. A person that dedicates his time, a person that will serve, a person that will be there for you day and night. Because if you got people that can't do that, why would I even want that person? All they're going to do is get more orders and rules. All they're going to do is have you, remember what, um, what we read a couple of weeks ago? I think you guys were here for that. But remember when uh, the Lord told the children of Israel, if you want a king, this is what he's going to do to you. I think it was Saul. Yeah. And Saul would make them servants of him and not following the Lord. So yeah. you see, placing someone over your head, you know, is, is dishonoring your head. Mm -hmm. It's the Lord that you go to. Amen. Verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Tim Timaeus, uh, uh, sat by the highway aside uh, begging. And when he had heard uh, that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. 
And many charged him that they should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. So you see how desperate this guy was to have what the Lord wanted? But you see what the self-righteous people would tell you? Man, it don't take all of that. Man, calm down. Silence. You see Jesus walking through here. Show some respect. No, if you want Jesus, man, you got to fast and pray night and day, man. Go before him. Lord, I want to be with you. But see, the self-righteous crowd, because they're not doing that. Oh, man. I go to church too, man. You're taking this a little bit too serious. Mm -hmm. You know what? If that's what you want out of it, so be it. I want to go as far with Jesus Christ as I can go. That's right. And amen. And no limit placed upon you. That's what it's about. Verse 49, and Jesus stood still and commanded him. Now, I'm sure Jesus heard this guy the first time. Yeah. But how badly do you want to see? That's what we have to ask ourselves. How badly do you want to see? Because this blind man is no different than you or I that were in the world. He was physically blind. We were spiritually blind, which is worse. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus and Jesus answered and said unto him, now notice he cast away his garment. He got rid of the old man. Yeah. You see that? Verse uh, 51. And Jesus answered and said unto him, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, go thy way, thy faith have made thee whole. You know, what an awesome thing. And immediately he received his sight and follow Jesus in the way. So don't ever let the self-righteous people try and take you down, try and limit you, try and tell you this is the way that we do it. Hey, if that's the way y'all do it, I got no problem with that. I want all the way in the ark. I want Jesus Christ. I don't want the appearance of being righteous. I want to be righteous like Christ. The self-righteous man will never, ever, ever accept that. I know I said I'd get over it, but Hebrews 4 and 12, and then I'll be done, I promise. But remember the woman on your spare time, uh, Luke 7, 36 through 50, the woman with the alabaster box. Remember, she was a, a no good woman. But what did she do? She threw herself down before the Lord, cried, washed his feet with her tears, mm -hmm. and put her hair down to dry him off. Mm -hmm. But she was the sinner. But the man, the Pharisee, who was a noble man, wanted Jesus to come in to his house, didn't offer him a thing. But see, the desperate are those who come after Jesus. Hebrews 4 and uh, 12. And then I'm done. But this is also how self-righteousness can get a person, because I've dealt with this kind of people. Was she the same one that anointed his head? With the alabaster he, box, he, he yep. He was mad about yep. the expensive oil. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But Jesus Christ, verse, uh, no, it's actually Hebrews 4. I said Hebrews 4, right? 4 12 is what you said. So I'm the one that went to the wrong place. Hebrews 4 and verse 12, and it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, 
and to the joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him uh, with whom we have to do. Seeing then that uh, we have a great high priest that is passed into, into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Now, I want to make something clear because he just lifted Jesus up to the status of, hey, we've got a great high priest. But why is he a great high priest? Look at 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points, not some, tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, now if you tell this to a self-righteous religious person, that Jesus Christ, you know, he probably saw beautiful women and thought that they were beautiful, they would call you a blasphemer. Blasphemy! Jesus is the Son of God. There's no way in the world that he... They said in all points tempted yet without sin. What do you want? How could he tell you what lust is if he didn't experience, you know, um, you know, trying someone trying to tempt him with lust? Because remember, this Bible says Jesus did things that people that the Bible never even, I mean, should be written about him, but all the books in the world couldn't contain it. So I'm sure there might have been women trying to make a pass at him, and he probably woman. It is written. But don't think that he wasn't, they didn't try to entice him with the same stuff. So this is what makes Jesus awesome. And this is why we can't be self-righteous to say, man, the only reason he could do it is because he was God. The only reason that he could do it is because he was God that was tempted of all things to be counted worthy. And that's why we can say worthy is the lamb. He was tempted. He passed every test. The father sent him in. He passed it with flying colors, no problem. So he can impart, impart his spirit to us that we may not be self-righteous, that we may get it the way he got it and understand. But if you're religious or if you're self-righteous, can't be done. This is as far as it goes. And I suggest you accept it, brother. We all have sin. No, you all have sin. The Lord is going to work this out in me, and I will be made perfect in Jesus Christ. All right, call on Sarah. Do your thing. We're going to have to start off in John 15. We already talked a little bit about it. That's the only reason I'm excited. Not the only reason. Um, so 15 and 1 so it's funny like just how we were talking about like um, like wine this was like a little bit previous but like wine and like the vine mm -hmm. you know and he's the one that is the true vine and I love that because well here I'm going to start reading Um, so I am the true vine.
my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So I love this because you just think about an actual vine, you know, and the things that are attached to the vine. Say you cut off the branch with his like an arm, and you cut it off, and without the vine, like you see a branch, like what's what's a branch on the ground not connected to a tree? What good is it? You know, it's like, dead. It's, it's done. You know, <laughs> and like then what good is it really though too? Like. I don't know, maybe a dog might come by and chew on it, like it'll eventually degrade back into the earth, or people use it to burn, you know, like make fire. So, um, and purging it, okay, here. so, and he purged it that it may bring forth more fruit. And that's another thing, too, like the fruit that's developed, if it just sits there, you know, eventually it's going to spoil and go bad, you know, or it'll be taken and used you know Mm -hmm. either to sustain or even if it dies it has the potential of maybe going back into the earth and bringing forth something you know Mm -hmm. but there's no guarantee with all the trials you know it needs Mm -hmm. more so I was gonna say the Lord isn't gonna or I wouldn't think produce a bunch of fruit in you for you just to go to waste you know he wants you to use it definitely definitely So now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. And we know that the word, this truth, literally washes us. It cleans us. So abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. So without Jesus, without God, we can do nothing. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I just love that because it just is such a good reminder, you know? A good Mm -hmm. reminder of, like, what we are. (laughs) Like, we're nothing without Christ, you know? Mm -hmm. We're, Is that John 15? Uh, yep, John 15 and now 5. Okay. But, and, um, uh, all right, um, six, I think, yeah. and then, well, I haven't, I haven't read 6 yet. Oh, oh okay. But, um, let's see. Oh, yeah. So this is a reminder, so without him, that we can do nothing you know so i love it too we just think about um like let me see think like philippians 4 13 you know greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world or no sorry i can do all things through christ who strengthens me mm-hmm. and what was that john or philippians uh, 4 13 and then what did i say like first john 4 4 or something yeah something like that greater is he that is in me that is in the world yeah so um and, like, just with that, you know, that's just, like, a constant reminder, you know, that without him, you know, we can't do anything. Amen. So, it's almost like with God, well, with God, all things are possible. But without God, it's pretty much, like, the things that are actually matter in truth are impossible. Exactly. 
So if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Alright, so I'm going to have you guys turn to... 1 Corinthians 3 and 14. work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire where are you at because that's not I first, first Corinthians 3 that's 14 no he's back at um he's at 13 sorry okay um, oh. back. I probably did say 14 but um, <laughs> then I got excited uh, so every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So I love this too with um, like talking about us getting the fruits through Christ and mm-hmm. how God will purge our fruit, you know, mm-hmm. and do the fire. And so if we're not constantly in Christ and like just like think about the process of like growing fruit, like it takes time, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't just appear overnight if you <laughs> squirt a little water in it, you know, <laughs> it, it takes some time. Patience. And you never know, like, when those trials are going to come up, you know, and if that's your, like, purging, you know, and that purging, just think, like, once you're purged, it makes room for more fruit to grow, you know, through your trials. And Mm -hmm. then who knows, like, the next time, like, what kind of harvest you're going to have the next time, you know, doing the things in the Lord's way. Exactly. Um, If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So, I don't know. I love this, too, because, I mean, everything that we do is is doing something, you know. Mm-hmm. And if it's not like you're led by Christ and you're doing it in his light, you're not sowing to a reward, you know. And if we reap what we're going to sow, you know, or if we... Yeah, I guess we reap what we sow, you know, Mm -hmm. and if we're not sowing in the spirit, then that means we reap something of the flesh, you know, and the flesh is destruction, you know, the wrong spirit, exactly. And then the, that wrong spirit is the enemy of God, you know, Mm -hmm. so what's your reward going to be? It's not going to be of the Lord. You You don't want that. And every, everyone's works is going to be made manifest by God's light, you know, so Mm -hmm. everything you've done, like you're accountable for it. Exactly. All right. Uh, All right, bro. And then we'll go to Hebrews thirteen fifteen. Sorry, 
before. So I was like, I'll read before because I never know. Like, I want to read more. Oh, you, know? no, totally. <laughs> you ain't alone. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Um, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So, um, with this too, and like the developing of the fruits and everything, like this is just a great way to keep everything that we do in line with like God's conversation, you know, like everything that we're talking to, like we need to be the example, like the end sample that people see. Mm -hmm. So the things that come out of our mouth is are the things that manifest, you know, mm -hmm. like, I don't know, like there's life and death in the power of the tongue, right? So oh, yeah. why not sow to the spirit of life, mm -hmm. which is good fruit. But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifice, God is well pleased. So I love it, too, because, like, we were talking about a little bit, too, with, like, the developing of fruits. Like, how do you think, like, most people at the grocery store, how do they check their fruits? You know, like, they, like, will smell them or, you know, some, mm -hmm. some are, like, their firmness. But, mm -hmm. you know, like, a lot of people, it's funny, I actually saw some lady, like, smelling one of these fruits, you know. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's just hilarious. And I had no idea I was going to be presenting on this. And right. Of course, that makes sense. <laughs> right. But you know what? You asked me today. Yeah. About the spirit, like smelling the spirit. That's why I was like, I'm wondering if that's what you were talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's that, that something else. Um, that was like even more intense. Like, right, it made me think. Like, yeah, that ties in. The, we'll tell you guys. That, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, and then we'll get a First Peter, um, two and twelve. No, that's what I want for you guys. I went to Second Peter. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, that's not what I want to talk about. All right. Um, <laughs> all right, but uh, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may be your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. <laughs> So I like this, too, because um, with our conversation being honest and everything, and we know that, I guess, a Gentile, I know there's no more of that, but someone who's not that, like, consistently following the Lord, mm -hmm. it's almost like every time they talk to you, you know, it's like kind of an attack, you know, like, just if they're not, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know, I like, know what you mean. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's hard, but... It's hard to say because, you know, like, you obviously you're not looking at them and being like, man, this person's evil, you know. Like, it's something that they don't know. They're just communicating mm -hmm. to you, you know. And through their conversation, a lot of things are attacks at you. you like, know? everything they speak is against God. Um, uh, it's like, man, you just go through with your pen and just start marking stuff <laughs> exactly. nah, I know what you do. Exactly. So, um, and with that, this is, like, a perfect opportunity, too, to, like, to let the like let the Lord develop those fruits in you, you know. Mm -hmm. And the best part is like not letting their attacks, you know, like jumble you up so you're like jumping outside of the lines, you know, being pulled into the world mm -hmm. which their conversation is doing to you. Mm -hmm. Not not even like they know, you know, like I'm sure I don't know, maybe some know, but I think the most, you know, like 
that are like just sincere and just trying to talk to you because they see the light inside mm-hmm. of you, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even in those attacks, like I feel like sometimes you even can get offended and, you know, your fight or flight, spiritual fight or flight can go on. Like you walk away and just ignore it. Mm-hmm. Or you could choose to, you know, put your spiritual armor on and see what the Lord wants you to do. Yeah. That's true. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And that's, that's what I mean. Obey the Spirit. Because, I mean, you know, because then there's scriptures that will say, have no fellowship with whatever, but like she mm-hmm. said, like uh, the first time I heard that spiritual fight or flight, but it's like have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. So that's one thing about getting away from it. Mm-hmm. But then there's a time that he may want you to engage that situation in your armor. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna use that spiritual fight or flight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry, man. No, that's that's good. I mean, honestly, it is that that is that's perfect, especially with us talking about you know. Like, things develop and that's perfect flight or flight it's like um but i love it um too with that you know like that previous scripture about like our lips you know just like being able to perform fruit so like Mm -hmm. i don't know say you don't have patience or whatever you know like how can you really say you don't have patience and then say that you're loving your neighbor by listening and like it says like in scripture too for us to like almost give ourselves to the other person's conscience you know as we speak to them Mm -hmm. so it's like how can you say you don't have patience if you're not fully hearing the person out because every single thing that comes out you're like you know like you know you're so offended Mm -hmm. you know what's that saying you're so heavenly minded you're no earthly good (laughs) (laughs) That's that's true so um that's like a perfect way and then too with this um it's saying um, they may be your good works. And like was saying with that, um, you just talking in conversation, that's, you know, godliness and holiness, not necessarily just like, like throwing scripture at them every single time. Lord says, don't do this. Lord says, don't do this. But actually like listening to what they have to say and mm-hmm. you can guide them because you represent Christ, you know, and I'm sure mm-hmm. this person trusts you because they either see that or they know that through your fruit, you know, your actions. Mm-hmm. So like with that, you know, you can guide them along the path. So like they're like kind of, you know, like on the skates, you know, like teetering, but you're strength in Christ you not being wavered and grounded like you're pulling them into the light mm-hmm. you know but um all right we'll have you guys jump over to second Cor- uh, Corinthians um it's three and 14 I wasn't gonna read this but there <laughs> it's after what we were talking about but um so like I don't know I guess my study if I had to give it a little name you know I'd call it sufficiency in God and not ourselves. Amen. That goes right with what yeah. we've been talking about today. That's cool. <laughs> Love it. Um, so, and this says, now thanks be, did I tell you guys where we're going? I told you guys. Taking right. Corinthians 3, 14. Yeah, perfect. And that was, wow. That was actually, that was on my list. I but it starts it. Cool. with their, but their minds. Oh, yes. Second Corinthians 3 and 14. Two and fourteen. Okay. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> with you numbers, that I know, I know. Sorry. Yeah. I don't know what's up with that. All right. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ 
and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. So it says it causes us to triumph in Christ, you know. And with this, like not letting that, like what we were talking about in study, you know, not letting that self-righteousness get to us, you know. Mm -hmm. Like all these people are gravitating to me, obviously my light shining, you know what I mean? Like you got to stay, you know, because it's true because that's the easiest way. Like the enemy doesn't have to do anything when that self-righteousness comes in. You'll destroy yourself, you know. And what good is armor if you're defiling yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. on the inside? There's no, Mm -hmm. you can't do anything, you know. But um, so for unto, for we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. So that's the good smell in us. And them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one, we are the savor of death unto death. And to the other, the savor of life unto life. So the people that are in the world, you know, the evildoers, there's times like, I don't know, they will shun you because they'll be like, what is this? It looks like I'm looking in the face of death right now. You know, they know nothing about the Holy Spirit. So they're like, am I dead? Like, what is this experience? You know, so they feel convicted and almost like they're looking Christ in the face, you know, and that's the type of light we should shine. But at the same time, we don't need to like marvel in that, you know, we should more comfort them and pull them into the light and introduce them to the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Our fruit should do that naturally. It doesn't have to be us condemning them, convicting them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what they come, what they feel. You know, they feel that life growing in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They're people like, automatically feel shame, ashamed of things. Mm-hmm. That's just so funny. Mm-hmm. It's already upsetting them, most likely. You know, mm-hmm. you know just come around. Are. People get agitated. Yeah. It's just that feeling of. <clears throat> I don't like that. You don't even have a reason, but it's the life that's in you. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't even say anything. He just went into the cafeteria and left. And, wow. Just, <laughs> something, something about you, about you just ain't right. That's a demon talking. You know? <laughs> okay, so. No, it's okay. I love it. That's exactly like, I mean, what I'm thinking, and I love it when other people, you know, have, have what they see it as, too. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, that's awesome. But then I love it, too, because it says that, the other the other way the savor of life and the life you know and mm-hmm. then it's nice too because I've noticed that believers have started to like kind of come in to my workplace and like kind of target me you know and like there's times I don't know like how far they've been or where they've gone but there's times well they'll give me a boost you know just mm-hmm. like a spiritual boost mm-hmm. like it's it's awesome to just be able to connect and be like-minded believers like the way the Lord wants you know oh yeah and it says, and who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as many which corrupt the world of the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God and the sight of God speak we in Christ. So too, like the fruits of our lips, right? Continuing with that. Mm-hmm. And then um, I like it too, because he says, who is sufficient in these things? And then I like, um, you kind of mentioned it earlier, how Paul, like even he was like, like I'm not worthy of this title that mm-hmm. I have, you know. Like I persecuted Christ, you right. know. Like He came into my life and mm-hmm. changed me, you know. Like I'm not even worthy for this. Oh yeah. All right, and I'm only got one more, and then it's Isaiah uh, 57 and 19. Sarah's alright. She presents all the time. <laughs> yeah. Isaiah 7 and 19? No, 57 and 19. Oh, 57. 
know, that, I mean, that, like we're talking about that, like, uh, unselfishness is mm-hmm. just so powerful. Like, we look, we like look up to Paul, you know, he's like one of those people, like, I just want his faith, you know, mm-hmm. like, but even, hey, all right, but it says, I create, I create the fruits of the lips, peace, peace to him that is afar off, and to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal them. So I just like that, just mm-hmm. to end it on, just the Lord's words, like just us understanding that we're in Christ, you mm-hmm. know, and like without him, we're nothing. And he's the one that heals us. He's the one that brings the one far off near, and he uses us to do it all. That's, so, yeah, that's just what I you want to present now, or you sure? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. I don't want you having another look like. No. Well, this was something I had forgotten to um, actually. This was something I meant to put in. Uh, you guys might want to write this real quick, but it says um, twelve things that usually accompany a self-righteous spirit. All right. The first is. Seeking to judge the motives of others. So that's one. The second is holding others to your own personal convictions in addition to the standard of the Bible. <laughs> so not just the Bible. You've got your own ideas on how to judge people. And then there's verse 3. Judging people before asking questions and getting the details. So what did the Bible say? Swift is here. I mean, you know, swift to hear, slow to speak. Mm-hmm. Verse 4, judging by appearance alone. You know, that's something that people really got to break out of. Five, mm-hmm. looking for evidences of failure in others before looking for evidence of grace. And see, that's something that Jesus did not do. Looking for failures of others and, you know, the evidence of grace. So Jesus, is, he saw the potential pretty much, not what is, what could be, mm-hmm. you know, verse uh, six, I mean, not verse six, number six, a tendency towards being hypocritical and nitpicky. <laughs> oh, That's kind of like what Jesus dealt with seven, delight at finding fault in others. Mm-hmm. Remember that, aha, I got you. You had everything right, but you made a mistake. And I heard it. You said the versus the A. Exactly. <laughs> this is A. <laughs> Disappointment when you are when you don't find fault in others. <laughs> <laughs> like ah, oh, like the Pharisees. Oh, he was flawless. Now I got to try something else. Let's bring a woman in caught in the act of adultery. <laughs> All right. Ver- this is nine. Oops. When it comes to others, making mountains out of a molehill exaggerating the issues. Oh, Remember, majoring in minors. What did Jesus say? You, what is it? You swallow a camel? Oh, you netted an eye, but do you, swallow, do you swallow a camel? Yeah. You know, same things. This is 10. Sensitivity to the sins of others, but blindness to your own. <laughs> oh, boy. This is 11. A failure to receive correction with humility. Remember I said Christine and I get into I'm in charge. (laughs) Who are you to tell me? All right. um, This is 12. A desire to expose sin, but not to help address it. (laughs) So you 
know, this is true. They're doing this and that, but no solution. This is just what it is. Oh, man, so that was 12. All right, so I guess we can conclude in prayer. Um, whoever wants to take it tonight can. Okay. All right. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful time that you brought us together to fellowship and to study your word of God, Lord Jesus. Thank you you for this much needed study. Um, And I ask that when we leave here, when we leave these four walls, Lord, that we are able to um, listen to the scriptures that we heard tonight and put them into action out there in the world, Lord, as we're face to face with so many people who you are looking at as your kids and wanting to be saved, Lord Jesus. I ask that you give us the spirit um, and heart to be sincere and move and show them fruit, Lord Jesus, and love and kindness. I ask that you help us to remove self-righteousness or any judgment of trying to condemn people for sins. we can recognize it, but we have a bigger duty past that, Lord. It doesn't matter if we can recognize it. It matters if we can help those people and show them your light, Lord Jesus, on why it's so important to know you, Lord, and to be saved, Lord Jesus. And for us to really, truly try to get to know people and connect with them, not just be superficial in our interactions lord but giving them our all our whole heart even if that opens us up to being um vulnerable or hurt lord jesus we know you are the one who protects us through all things lord jesus and i ask that you continue to build our spiritual armor lord that you help us see the things that are of you that you unlift our spiritual veil lord that you clear our eyes from any blindness, Lord Jesus, any attacks that Satan's trying to put on us every day, that you help us recognize it and to push through it, Lord, and help the Word of God to give us confidence in every step that we take, Lord Jesus, and let the Spirit guide us, Lord. I ask that in prayer we are um, fighting for those around us, Lord Jesus, that we are fighting for the ministry, Lord, that we are fighting for people who need healing, financial help, Lord Jesus, people who need to be delivered from bondage, Lord Jesus, from addictions, from people who are facing wanting uh, not a decision of divorce, Lord Jesus. I ask that you use us and to intercess and in prayer and, Lord, to be able to talk to them, Lord Jesus, and to give them your word, Lord Jesus. Lord, I ask that you be with everyone who couldn't be here tonight, Lord, in the ministry. I ask that you continue to work things out of them, Lord, and that you help us be supportive of each other no matter what we're going through, Lord, and to take out any judgment thoughts and let us see them, let it prick our hearts and correct them for ourselves, Lord, so that we can grow and humble ourselves and yield to you in the process, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you for everything you've done. We bless you, Lord. You are King of kings, Lord of lords, Alpha and Omega, so worthy to be praised, Lord Jesus. 
We thank you for a special anointing upon us, Lord, as your children, Lord, as we seek you diligently every single day, Lord, fervent in the fire, Lord, wanting just to be a better servant for you, Lord Jesus. We ask for strength, Lord, when times we lack it. We ask for meekness, Lord, when times when we're not. Lord, we ask for just to be able to recognize when we need to stop and be patient and yield and be slow to speak and slow to wrath, Lord Jesus. We thank you for these things, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.